I am your father. This is a Brandon Colby Jacobs from Facebook exclusive. And you'll see why 1984 won't be like 1984. Touche, my nigga. Touche. Yo, what it do, what it is, man. It's your boy, Brandon Kobe Jacobs, and you are listening to the Established 1984 podcast, man. And on episode 30, man, I am excited because I finally, after several months of trying to get this man on the podcast, we've finally <laughs> been able to get this together where we can all get on the same... Uh, we can get on uh, one accord and finally get this thing done, man. He is a yeah. uh, a Duval representative, a Duval artist who I've had the utmost respect for for well over, I guess, golly, what, we we probably about 12 years in and knowing each other, man. Um, I'm proud to say that in one capacity or another, I got an opportunity to work. Uh, when I was working with Tay Dizzle, I got to, you know, do some interaction with him, and we'll talk a little bit about me working for Universal and where I got to first meet him because he probably doesn't remember. Um, and we're going we're just gonna go through a little bit of conversation. I got my good friend Young Cash on the line. Cash, how are you, man? What it do, homie? You good? I'm good, man. I can't complain at all, man. I'm excited to finally get this one done. I think it's long overdue. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, man. I mean, the first thing that I always do with just about every Jacksonville artist is I always uh we always talk about uh about what side of the town they're from. So why don't you tell a little bit, tell everybody a little bit about what side of the town you're from and what it was like growing up in Jacksonville, Florida. I'm kind of a nomad, man. You know, I'm from West Side, and by the way, Orange Park. That's two different counties, you know what I'm saying? That's Clay County <laughs> and Duval County. Yeah, for sure. You, know, you, got to get, you, got, you got to let that be known. You know, they go crazy. <laughs> People yeah. from Orange Park, when they, when they hear that. But yeah, um, my mom, my mama from the West Side, from you know, from this area, 103rd, Orange Park area. My daddy, he's from the north side, Murder Lab, dude. So, you know, that's the little, that's the little, the mix up I got, you feel me? So I got family on that north end, family on the west. So, okay. But, you know, I, you know, we grew, I grew up in a little small hood in Orange Park, back and forth from my mama house to my daddy house, you know what I'm saying? From uh, Floor Circle East to uh, the Murder Lab or uh, to my auntie house. My auntie flats on Eighth and Main, so kind of all over the all over the city. Right now, you know? I mean, I always do. I've heard you talk about your mom a lot. I never really heard you say much about your dad. What kind of guy was he? What did What did he do? Was he kind of like you know street dude in the in the city, or or just a yeah, worker, was, or what? He was a street dude turned gospel singer. Okay, you feel me? I don't know if you don't know if you're familiar with uh you know the Hill brother uh Levon and uh Le Jimmy. You know they like they like family to me because my daddy and uh, their daddy was in the same group. I don't know if y'all are familiar with Jimmy Jimmy Hill. God bless the dead. He was one of, like the number one gospel uh, artist in Florida, probably the southeast region. And uh, you know him, he he, uh, he was in the church with my daddy, <clears throat> and they had a little group, a little singing group. It's a couple of cats that I know that you know their daddies was also in that group, and we all know each other. But you know I was closer to Vaughn and Jimmy because you know there was you know my daddy and. Uh, Jimmy Hill was like real close, so that's our foundation. You know, what I'm saying we was always in the church, and they always, always going to their rehearsals in the church and all that. So I guess that's <laughs> what, yeah, where the music came in. And then he actually met my mama. My mama actually uh, joined the group, and so they was all in the group together. My mama, my daddy, Jimmy Hill, and a couple other cats. So that's the foundation we got as far as the music. You know, that's been in us. 
That's crazy because I, I mean, I guess that kind of explains a lot because of me. And obviously, we'll probably get into all of that about how, you know, you you are very melodic in nature as far as you being a rapper. But a lot of people don't know that you're actually a very good, legitimate singer. And I, I think a lot of people uh, may not know that, but we'll get an opportunity to talk about a little bit of that. So you grew up in between the north and you grew up in between the west side. So just in general, right. was it kind of like... You know, on one side of town, you had to be one way. On another side, you had to be another way. Or kind of what was, walk me through what life was like growing up in, on those two different sides of town. Well, you know, on the West, it's really, you know, it's kind of it's kind of more lax than the North, you know. Mm-hmm. On the West side, you know, we ain't doing nothing shit. Me and, you know, my little partner, Midge and Matt, we just go to the Orange Park Mall like the rest of the West Siders and hang out, I like girls, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> and do our thing, you feel me? But my brother Vic, you know, he was in the street, so... Once I got to a certain age, like like 13, when I gained like a teenager, 13, 14, you know, he was all over the place with it. So I ended up just riding with him, you know what I'm saying, and learning the city and, you know what I'm saying, learning my way around as far as the streets and all that. But on the north side, you know, when I would go and see my daddy, he most of the time he'll come get us and drop us straight out of the house. He wouldn't even beat us. So he'll <laughs> drop us straight out. Drop us straight out to my grandma on uh, Myrtle. My grandma still live on Myrtle to this day. She's right down on 24th and Myrtle. But he'll drop us out. Drop us out to my auntie Fats' house on Eighth and Main Street. So, we, you know, what I'm saying most of the time, like when I, I remember when I first came out, the first day we went out there to uh, stay with my daddy, a little young nigga was out there with brass knuckles fighting his older nigga. So I was like, oh <laughs> shit, bro. what we getting into? You feel me? <laughs> and like that's right. But G shit, G shit, bro. I ain't really find out what my daddy was about because you know, like I said, we weren't around him much. Mm-hmm. I didn't find out what he was about until. Uh, but he would take us to auntie, my auntie Fat's house, mm-hmm. and uh, all day and all night, boy, nigga just knocking at the door, boom, 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 at the door. Every day he'll go to the door, you know what I'm saying, come back. All day, go to the door, come back, leave, you know what I'm saying, more people come. i like, what the fuck going on? And, I, and now, as I, when I got older, I feel like shit, he was like that bitch trapping. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? so, <laughs> it all made sense. It all made sense in the long run, but, you know, after a while, you know what I'm saying, he had got us. Got saved and got his life right with God, and he had, went, went to the church and then became a gospel singer. Okay. So now, that's how that was. so obviously, music is a part of your life in very early age. Obviously, you're going to answer some of this question by saying that gospel probably played a huge role in your life. What's some of the music right. uh, that you were listening to in your upbringing, and and kind of how did music impact you as a young person? Well, I love all music. You know what I'm saying. So when I came up, you know, of course, you know, the gospel was in full effect. My mom and my daddy being gospel singers, so you know I was deep in that. And um, you know, of course, rap music when it hit the scene, you know, with the, you know the uh, I get I pretty much the up north music was really at an all time high at the time. Right. Like when I was really, you know, what I'm saying like you know middle school, high school coming up, mm-hmm. I was listening to a, I listened to a lot of everything up north music, down south, west coast. I listened to it all. I don't think nothing got bad. But I listen to R and B. You know, what I'm saying I love R and B music. I probably listen to R and B music more than I listen to anything. Really? You know what I'm saying? Rock, yeah, yeah. Rock and roll, alternative. You know what I'm saying? I listen to it all. Okay. Like I was the type, of, I was the type of dude that niggas ain't under when they, when they, when I put, when I play some niggas ain't under. They're like, what the fuck is this? You feel me? Like, I just was a, just an all around dude all my life. You know what I'm talking about? So, I picked up every genre and I like, I try to snatch shit from everything. You know what I'm saying? From all type, country music, alternative rap, everything, and I and I put it all in one bowl and try to come up with shit. You know what I'm saying? As far as music. Right. So I listen to everything pretty much. Like, it wasn't, you know, I, most people down south, they don't listen to down south music and all that shit. Like, they weren't feeling the up north shit. I was listening right. to everything. I was a so, Tupac guy growing up. 
yeah, I was a Tupac guy too, but I was I wasn't really no big fan of Tupac. Only thing I really I felt about Tupac was his delivery and his his, his message. You feel me? But right. as far as music, like I always felt like he didn't always have the best production. That was just me. Oh no, I, I, I completely agree with that. Now, nah, like that can't yeah, be. But, you know, I was more when it came down to that argument. You know, somebody with Biggie and Tupac, I was just a more of a Biggie fan. I just felt like he had better production and, and his wordplay was just on another level but like Tupac delivery and his message was just so strong you couldn't help but feel it so right I've always said to people that I feel like I feel like Tupac when you you have the debate about Biggie and Tupac Biggie is probably the greatest rapper to have ever have lived and Tupac is probably the biggest ambassador for hip hop like you know what I'm saying like he was more of like a cultural icon whereas Biggie was like that nigga that like all rappers kind of exist in this world where it's like before Biggie and then after Biggie and then everybody after him kind of has some of the things that made Biggie Biggie. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. His style, that, that whole style of how you stretch the words and put the word. They all took that. That all came from Biggie. You feel me? Right. And um, but as soon as I like, I say like middle school. By the time middle school and like high school, I was outcast out. You know, my favorite artist is under three thousand. So okay, I mean that ain't no secret. So. I was, I was outcast out bad, so I really ain't too much out of, outside of outcast. I ain't really on the raps on the rap tip. I ain't really listen too much outside of them boys. Them boys was just so hard to me. Like still to this day, like I'm, I'm, that's probably that's probably one my number one albums that I listen to all the outcast out. Hundred percent. Now a lot of folks uh, might not know this, but you played basketball in high school and you even obtained a scholarship. How how good of a basketball player, basketball player are you, and what inevitably caused you to re- come back home? Shit, I'm pretty good. You know what I'm saying? I led Jacksonville in a storm my senior year in 1999, 31.3 points a game. Mm-hmm. They had a three-point percentage, field goal percentage, and all that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But I was so small. You know, I was 5'10", 150. So all the, I'm talking about all the colleges that you could think of, all the D1 colleges in the country was coming to my game. They were like, where, where is this dude that's scoring all these motherfucking points? Mm-hmm. And then they'll see me. They're like, oh, no. Where you going? You know what I'm saying? I'm 5'10", motherfucking 150. And, you know, D1 colleges, you know, them boys, them point guards be 6'3", 200 pounds, you know what I'm saying? I couldn't right. do nothing with them boys. So, it was like, man, you got the game weight, hit the weight room, whatever. So, I ended up going to a D2 school up in New York, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, a basketball scholarship. And, uh, you know, I did I did my thing up there, you know what I'm saying? I turned into a fucking just an all-around shooter up there, you know what I'm saying? Because them boys, they, they could handle that ball. Like, you know, they was on the hand one shit. Them boys can handle that ball. They got that bitch on the yo-yo. Right. So, I basically turned into a motherfucking John Bikes. And I did, they just bad me, but I just dropped threes all game. <laughs> you feel me? But doing that, you know what I'm saying? And my brother, you know my brother, you know I'm, I don't, I don't mean the people don't know, but you know my brother Vic. That nigga was a wild nigga, so he was mm-hmm. more on that tip. Like, nigga, if you ain't going to the NBA, nigga, bring your motherfucking ass home. Let's get this money. You feel me? <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, you know what I'm talking about? I don't feel like I'm going to the NBA, so fuck it. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I came home and really went head first into the streets for real. Right. So you, you you go ahead first into the streets loud. Now, where does where did things transition from you kind of being in the streets doing that to okay, maybe we need to look into doing this music thing because uh, obviously we know that nine oh four click kind of forms early on in your career. Can you kinda of walk me through, I guess, two parts of this? Um, you know, moving around in the streets, what that was like and where the decision comes to say, okay, Maybe we need to move towards trying to do this music thing as a as a career thing and the formation of the nine oh four clip. Well my brother was out my brother and um his partner Matt, they was already on that shit. You know, okay. my brother's best friend was a north side nigga, so it was like a west side nigga and a north side nigga had teamed up. That was some shit that like had never been seen in the city because, you know, most of the time sides of town be beefing or they don't really fuck, but 
other side of the town like that. But my brother was from the west, my, uh, Matt was from the north side, and my brother was, he, you know, he was a real, like, he was a go-getter, so my brother was all over, you know what I'm saying, the United States, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, working and all that shit, and he ended up in Texas and meeting our other um, uh, partner, Rudy. Mm-hmm. You know, they was in the streets doing their thing, and he joined Matt in with that, so the, the music though was already in full effect. Like, they was trying to uh, do some music, and I wasn't really into it like that at first, you know what I'm saying? And then uh, my brother's like, yeah, man, we formed a group, and I don't focus like, they, they want me to be in it, because they knew I was, you know what I'm saying, kind of cold with the words. So I started doing that, and like, that was like when I was like 16, something okay. like that. Okay. And then, um, yeah, then that's when we like around seventeen is when we dropped the uh, the not a full click album, the last days. So we was doing everything independent. You feel me? Mm-hmm. And um, so music was always in full effect. So at that time, then we had got the club choices on the west side with bigger rankings, and then um, shit started popping off for us as far as you know labels was looking at us and stuff. But then by that time, that's when I had to go and leave and go to college. Oh, and so okay. I kind of, I, I pretty much broke up the group, um, in a way, and then um. Eventually, like I said, my brother had convinced me to come back home. So I came back home, and then, you know, Streets was like, it was it was more so really, to be honest with you, my brother Vic ain't really want me doing nothing, but Matt, Matt was like, look, man, you got plays, man, because, you know, I, I was at a point where I was doing everything, like my brother was buying me clothes, I'm eating off of his stomach every day, you know what I'm saying, I eat what he eat and all that, and I ain't really had no money. He had all the money, but it was just, I was just living off him. Mm-hmm. I ain't really like that. You know what I'm saying? We get around females and all that. I ain't got no money. I'm just looking crazy. You know what I'm saying? Right. I was young, but still, like, I knew what time was. I like, well, you got well, you know, I see that this money change, make motherfucker hoes change their mind. Right. Make niggas change their mind about situations. So I wanted my own money. So Matt started giving me a little ounce there, a little ounce there, you know what I'm saying, on the low. He didn't even tell my brother. Mm-hmm. This was like around the time, actually, when my brother had got shot. So once my brother got shot, then, you know, my brother was like in a coma for like six months. So I was really just then. That's when I really started going hard. And then once my brother came out of that coma, he came too. He was like, "Bro, you know what I'm saying? I'm in a wheelchair now. I can't move around like this. You gonna have to take over." You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So that's basically how I really got thrown deep in the game. Hmm. And that's when I, you know, I started doing my own thing. I in these streets. Right. Now I think the first time I met you was in Tallahassee through TJ's DJs when you were meeting with TJ Chapman about working the record, right. give me a bottle around 2005. By this point, right. there was a was there a conscious decision for you to kind of go solo, or were you and your brother trying uh, trying to record out to see if there would be some interest for you as a solo artist? Uh, you know, I'm gonna keep a hundred. Me and my brother, we always bump heads. Everybody know that. Mm-hmm. Two niggas, two niggas are strong minded. You know what I'm saying? And we always bump heads, so we had got into a big ass fight, big argument. But keep in mind, by this time now. Shit, I'm out here. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, money coming in. I, I got my own my own shit going, and I got money now. So I'm like, nigga, I can do this shit by myself. Because mm-hmm. what I did was keep game. I keep game for what my brother and what Matt was doing all these years, and as far as the streets and as far as the music. Right. And um, you know, I just picked up and just took. You know, I like you, t- you just take you take you take the best attributes of somebody and then you make it your own. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's like kind of like what I do with the music. Right. You know what I'm saying? I, I take shit from everybody and then I just make it my own. You know what I'm saying? So I did that and, and, and my, my whole thing was I know I know how to market myself. I'm a marketable nigga. I know a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? I'm, a, I'm you know what I'm saying? I'm charismatic. Mm-hmm. People fuck with me. Right. So what I did when I, when I said, all right, I'm gonna do this shit on my own. I got with Jeezy. I said, geez, I'm going solo, bro. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna show. I'm gonna show. It was basically I was I'm gonna show my brother I can do this shit on my own. Right. You feel me? So what I did was when I came out with Give Me a Bottle. 
my whole marketing scheme, bro, I'm going to be honest with you, it wasn't even no fucking, you know, put out flies and all that, which I did that, though, but my whole marketing scheme was money. Nigga, every, I would go, what happened was, uh, I know you're familiar with Point Blank and Ivory and all them boys, yeah. that's when they got their first club, that's when they had Roxy. Right. And what I did, what I did was, nigga, I said, nigga, every Friday, nigga, I'm, I told, uh, was it, was it Bird? No, I wasn't Bird back then. It was, what's the dude's name? You talking about D, so it was either D Money, 151. 151. Mm-hmm. I told 151, I said, 151, play my record. Every time you play my record, I'm going to go on stage and I'm going to throw a thousand ones in the crowd. I'm going to make them, I'm going to make them know what this song is. You feel me? Mm-hmm. And so I did, I did that nigga damn near a year straight every Friday. When the, <laughs> when the voice is back. They know when they hit it. They know when that beat dropped. That doom, they know I'm for the thousand one for the flat. You feel me? That's how I marketed the song. G shit. Like it wasn't no flyers, wasn't no radio, no, none of that shit. I, I just threw money, and then that's how people took to the song. Okay. Okay. So that's how I give you. That's how I started pushing. Give me a bottle. So then, of course, you know I got with TJ and was trying to you know see what he could do for me with the record pool and all that. Mm-hmm. Which I ain't never seen nothing from that shit. I was just throwing away money with TJ. I feel you know saying nothing against him, but. I was throwing away a lot of money with all them niggas. Uh, what's them niggas? Casper, mm-hmm. ATL. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I was spending, I was spending money with Hitman DJ. I was spending money with everybody. Core, core DJ, everybody, nigga. That shit wasn't really making no noise with me. I just took it back to the, to the essence. Like, I took it back to the streets. Right. You know, everywhere I go, everywhere they play my record, boy, in the city I was in, boy, them ones for the flat. <laughs> I feel like I was the first one to do that. I think, like probably, that money. I think I definitely feel like as far as Jacksonville is concerned, you're the first nigga to yeah, really man. I was make throwing, shit move yeah, like throwing that. that money, throwing that money in the crowd, not in no strip club. I'm talking about in the regular club. No, I know. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah I was letting that shit ride, and I think that's what that's what built my brand as far as that song gave me a bottle, which popped me off. And, come, and, 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 and the facts is that once get like give me a bottle was the first, I believe like the first Jacksonville song. I'm talking about, I'm talking about the you know, the 69 boys, the 95 South movement, all that shit back in the day. My song was really the first song that it was right played faithfully, like in people's cars and the stu- I mean in, in 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 the clubs and all that shit. You feel me? Right. So I was that was really it was really setting a trend that nigga, Jacksonville nigga, we we, we can do this shit, you feel me? Yeah, because that's way before Say No More. That's probably like three years before Say No More drops and that, that right, 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 whole, right. That was a whole other monster. I really want to do a podcast right. on that with those dudes at some point. Cause that just going through yeah, that record that was, was a, a monster. Like to my big big record, big record, you feel me? Yeah. But I but I like I said I paved the way. I let niggas know that we can do this shit, man. We still love our own city, man. We ain't gotta be scared. Right. And just take the right nigga the right nigga in the time and then you gotta have that right song. Right. Just like Bread Boys when they came out with that shit, it was perfect timing, right song, it was a hit record. A hit record can't be denied. I don't care who you is. Hundred percent. Now talk me through the process of getting the Universal SRC deal and what you feel like it did for your career. Do you feel like being on that label really benefited you in the same way it did people like Remy Ma, David Banner, and others? And if so, how did it benefit you? It didn't really benefit me at all. Well, I ain't gonna say that. I mean, they got my name out there, but the bottom line is like I had met Ty Dash. Ty Dash was somebody who my brother Vic had met when we was in Nano Folk Click. And so Ty Dash, he had came down to our club choices to check out one of our shows one time. And he was like, you know, who is that little nigga? Who's the, who the little nigga? You know what I'm saying? That nigga that raw. And so uh, actually, you know, when I left, I came back. And, you know, that one, that's when my brother got shot and all that. So, and, you know, I went solo. So he came back and hollered at me. He was like, you got something. You know what I'm saying? So I started talking with uh, another lady who was trying to help me uh, get a deal named Renee. She a uh, Greg Street sister in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So she was she was pushing my music to the label to Universal, and uh, what actually happened was she uh they wanted to meet me, so they got me a meeting in um in New York, and um 
when they got me to meet in New York, I went there and uh, Monty Littman, he was just like the, the president, he the head of uh, Universal. He listened to my shit, you know, so he heard, give me a bottle, he heard myself put that iron on him. Mm-hmm. He was like, man, he said, he said you talented, you know, dude, but you know what I'm saying? I'm scared of this project, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's kind of too street for me. Right. Cause you know, right around that, around that time, it was like the Chameleon and the Mike Jones. You know, they were rap, music, but they all was, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it was street. It was it, it was street, but it was like nice. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking right. about gun clapping, dope selling shit. I was <laughs> going on in my city. You feel right. me? So <clears throat> he didn't want to do the deal. So that deal that Renee set up, it fell through. Mm-hmm. But soon as they, soon as soon as Monty didn't want to take that deal, there was a lady named um, Jolene Sherry in L.A. and another uh, another part of Universal. She when she found out that they didn't take me, she immediately flew me out of L.A. and uh, she wanted to do the deal. Mm-hmm. And when I got, and she went, she, so she had, she uh she played my music for Steve Rifkin at SRC Universal, and he was like, "Yeah, I want him now." And Gabby Gabby was the uh, vice president of SRC, and he told me when I when I got out there, he was like, "Man, we was already coming to get you." He said, "When I see when, when I seen you in Ozone Magazine." You know what I'm saying? With that picture you had, when you had that chopper sitting up with all your homeboys behind you. And I, and I was, he was like, we was already coming to get you anyway, but you ain't, you ain't, had, you ain't had to worry about that. So right. I was like, yeah, it's all good. So that's how that deal came about. So when they, when they turned, they ain't want me, uh, Universal in New York, they ain't want me then. The L.A. division, they flew me out to L.A. and motherfucking, um, and they signed me immediately. You know what I'm saying? Put me, and she put me with Steve Rickett and, and, I, and I did the deal with um, SRC. But like I said, they was on that, they wanted like kind of like Popish type like that, you know, like easy going right, like that Mike Jones coming and that type right, of shit. Right. And I was on, I was on straight street shit. That's how that's how I believe it came out. You know what I'm saying? You don't believe it wasn't really my forte at the time. Mm-hmm. But I came out of that because they wanted something like that. So I just gave one. You know, I could do anything. So I just gave them what they wanted. You feel me? Right. Now. So that's how they did it. As soon as that happened, though, that's when that's when the streets took took over. Though. That was Jeezy and all that shit came. And I, like I told y'all, motherfuckers, that's what the, that's what the way was. Now what's so, so funny yeah, that's is. The, the, how I meet you, like I like I met you, you know, in, in TJ's office. But how I really form a relationship with you is when I get when I move back to Jacksonville, and I'm working for Universal at the time. Uh, I was working under Kenneth Darpo, um, and um, who else? Who else was over there? There were a couple of other guys over there, but Kenneth Darpo was my primary point of contact as a as an intern. And he goes, "Okay, so I'm gonna send you back over to Jacksonville, but." There's nobody. Well, we have one guy in Jacksonville. We have one guy in Orlando. The guy in Orlando, he says, the guy's name is Granddaddy South. I don't know if you ever heard of him. The other guy's name is Young Cash. He's like, you right. can pick where you want to go. And I was like, I and I, no disrespect. And I, I said this on Wendy's podcast. No disrespect to Granddaddy South. Great guy. Have interacted with him multiple times. <laughs> SEAs, all that kind of stuff. Very super nice guy. So I don't want to make it seem that way, but. I just yeah. felt like as far as if they were going to attach me to somebody that was a part of the label, I was like, ah, I think I'll go to your cash route. So I I end up, they end up linking me with you. They give me your contact information. No, I'm sorry. They gave me Vic's contact information. So then they give me Vic's right. contact information. I call Vic. Vic tells me to come up to the studio over off of Tim Aquana. And this is in my, right, this right, is in my right. biography book. So, and you may not remember this. So I come through the front door. It's like, like maybe like eight nine o'clock at night. It's not like super late, but all of y'all are in there. You can smell the weed smoke in there, <laughs> and there's a desk that used to sit right at the front. Y'all had like a little small desk that was sitting right at the front. Right, right, right. And Jay, right. you know, Big Jay with the dreads, he greets me at the front right. door. And he's like, "Yo, just sit right here, and um, I'll get cash to come get you." And I'm sitting there waiting on you. And I I don't know if you remember this, but I end up moving my left foot 
Cash, why the fuck y'all had a semi-automatic sitting on the floor right in front of me? <laughs> I don't know what. Damn, wow! I probably, <laughs> I probably, I find my three hundred eight. That shit got stolen from up there, though. Yeah, we, you know, I had to stay like that. You know how that shit. You know how that's Jacksonville, man. But you know, you know, and I was good collector too. So right, I, but I mean, right, like I me, like I mean, like I had been around the streets. My me, my dad is from Blige, You know, my grandma, uh, Six and Pearl, all this. But like, right, right. just kind of like the. The very harsh reality, like I had not, like from the rap game perspective, like I had heard a lot of people talk shit about, you know, toting guns and all this kind of shit, but it was just like, right, right. to like really be in the studio and then you just move your foot and you're like, damn, what the hell? Is that a semi-automatic? What the- <laughs> yeah, I got big 308. I got that 308 in the front door. Like, you know me, like in Jacksonville, I wrote like, you know, when I used to be in the homer, man, or the, or the lack, or the, you know, any, any of my cars that I had, I kept four guns in my car, man, because like, you know, every course somebody always... Three, three people are always gonna be riding with me, so mm-hmm. I keep the pistol and every and for everybody. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I don't know, I don't know what y'all gonna do, but I know what I'm gonna do. <laughs> you know, so I, that's how I live my life. But yeah, man, I, I don't even remember that much shit. I know you were telling them about the truth, but that's how I was. Though. You know, we had burglar balls on the. It was like a trap. Yep, you know yep, what I'm saying? Yep, right yep, down, yep. down the third. Right down the third, so you know we had to be careful. But yeah, man. But I, I give you guys all the credit in the world, guys. Everybody in there was super nice. I, I now. Yeah, but go ahead. Now, I was gonna say that they all, uh, you know, they when they told me, they told me about you though. You feel me? Before uh, upon you coming to the studio, they were like, "Yeah, man, we got this guy Brandon Black." So I hit, I had hit. Um, who was the white dude there that used to work with that was working with Tay at the time? I forgot his name. I don't know. That's a white dude. He was working here. Oh, Roger, with a white my partner. Oh, he's not yeah, white. Roger. He's yeah, not white. He's like yeah. white and Hispanic. Well, okay, yeah, Roger. You know what I mean? That's my dog. Though. Yeah, that's my dog. <laughs> yeah, Roger's like, man, yeah, man, he's a workaholic, man, bro. He goes hard, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna fuck with him. And then, like I, and yeah, you know, like you said, she came to, you know, saying fruition. Like you, I never, I, I don't think you get the credit you deserve as far as your internship or whatever. Whatever, I already know you worked hard everywhere you went. You know, any project you already took on, your ass working like a motherfucking dog, whether it was for free or whatever, my nigga. That's what I always respected about you, for real, t shit. And I and I respected you guys because you guys paid. And one thing I can always say is, Vic, anywhere I was going, like I went on a family reunion, I was like, yo, I'm going to Georgia. Um, Vic handed me a bunch of Ozone magazines, a bunch of CDs, and four hundred dollars, and said, "Go work some records." <laughs> That's how we go. That's how we was rocking. You know what I'm saying? Don't mind paying. You feel? I, I I just thought that that was the coolest shit in the world. Now, with now I gotta ask you about this. Now with uh with records like well no matter of fact in the mid 2000s you spend a lot of time working uh working the clubs and radio records and it's in this period of time that you and MGG start doing those flips. Of other people's records. Yeah. How did that idea come about, and, and what is your relationship with Jeezy like? Like, how did that whole thing come about? Is that just from childhood or what? Jeezy came into play. My brother found Jeezy. I guess I was like sixteen or seventeen. I was still in high school. I remember. Mm-hmm. I remember I used to never, never go to school until basketball season. But Jeezy used to always come to the crib. We'll go get Jeezy from Justine Apartments, bro. And that's when first we was working at uh, Black House downtown with Jamie. Mm-hmm. You know, Jamie had the Jamie had the original studio in Jacksonville, so we was working on Jamie. Baby? No, Jamie. You know Jamie. You know Jamie. The long dress. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Jamie had the studio downtown, and we was working out of there. And then we ended up starting going to Vision Sounds later. But we used to go pick up Jeezy from Justina, bring him to the house to go do beats on his little track, his cracked up track keyboard, or, or either that we'll go to uh, Vision Sound out west in Orange Park. So. I've been knowing Jesus since I was like 16 years old, and it was like, I'm talking about, it was just like a match made in heaven, bro. Like, I, I it's just to the point now where I ain't even got to say nothing. He got to say nothing. We, he know exactly what I want. I know exactly, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, 
second nature. You feel me? And right. That's really like he, he really like you know the backbone. You know what I'm saying of my whole situation. You feel me? So and that's what they wanted. Like even when I signed with Universal, they wanted me to go with all these other producers and all that shit. I was like, nah, fuck that. I'm fucking with my niggas. You know what I'm saying? I did it my way. Right. So whether way I went, win or lose, I was gonna do it my way. And I kept Jeezy. I took Jeezy everywhere with me. And went no place I went. They went they flew to L.A., New York, Houston, all these places to record. When I had that deal with Universal, I took Jeezy with me every motherfucking time. So we like, you know what I'm saying? That's like my big brother. You know what I'm saying? We we, we want to record at all times. Now, where did those flips come from? Like, how did that? How did y'all even conceive that Flip idea? Gang, I, if you know about that MP, you know Jeezy is a fucking beast on that motherfucking MPC, right? Mm-hmm. So. We would just, you know, when I hear a song and I like it, I don't know. I don't even. I actually don't even know how it came about. But I think the first one was that Keisha Cole when that was when that first went ham. I think it was everybody. Beyonce. I think Beyonce was. Oh, first. Be, oh yeah, it might have been the Beyonce. But like we would take what I was doing was I was taking the R and B records and I was flipping them and then I was rapping on them. You know what I'm saying? I have used to redo the beat and just flip some out of the song that well, whatever favorite part I like out of the song, you take it and flip it, we do a new beat and then I rap on it. And that's how that shit got popular. You ended up doing a bunch of those flips, so that that was absolutely crazy. But you also had records that, as time goes on, you have records like "Got a Lot of with Mike Jones," "You Got Believe It," "You Got Freeze," "You Got X," "You Got a Relationship with Big Rankings." Why don't you think things kind of uh, went to a higher level in that period of time uh, prior to you leaving SRC and linking up with T Pain? Because you had all of this stuff rolling, but it doesn't look like things ended up getting pushed to the next level. Why? Why do you think it happened that way? Well, the situation was, first of all, like, you know, 06, after I signed, from 06 to 08 was like a really a, a down period, like, when I was going Universal, because, like, like I said, they wanted something else. I wasn't, I wasn't really trying to go that route, and you know what I'm saying? So it was really like a situation where I was just basically shelled, you know what I'm saying? So, I, but I wasn't tripping on that because I knew the streets always had me. Really, like, I'm gonna, I got a made a deal cool. I'm still going to grind the shit on my own, but you got to keep in mind, though, like, once I signed that deal, like, I didn't really know about the industry or the business. Like, I, once I signed a deal, I thought it was over. You know what I'm saying? Boom, going to the top. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I got out of the streets. I left all that shit alone. You know what I'm saying? I threw all my trap phones away. So I really was, like, basically in the in, in the music business where they ain't had no money no more because the money was, go, was gone. You know what I'm saying? It was going down because I wasn't in the streets no more. Right. So I couldn't really even do my street shit no more, like, push it in the streets-wise, you know what I'm saying, and do all, do all the shit I was used to do. So really, it was down period, and so that's when I ran back in the pain. Well, I always, I always talked to pain. I mean, I, I, our relationship never went away, but when I caught up with him, because you know we had signed at the same time, basically he blew. Mm-hmm. So he, when he seen me, he was like, "What the?" F-? He's like, "Well, you so talented. What the fuck is SRC doing? You know what the universe is doing?" Right. I'm like, bro, I don't know. I'm, I said, "I'm just on the shelf, bro. I'm just doing records, doing my own records, and just and loading up my catalog." Right. So he was like, "Fuck that, man. I'm gonna get you, man. I'm gonna buy you out of this deal." So pain bought me out of the deal at the end of '08. And signed me the Nappy Boy. That's when I came out with Freak. I'm a freak and I'm the shit. You know, I did all that on my own. No push from the label and all. And the reason being, this is the main reason. I'm sure you should know. You already know that. The motherfucking fe- the Federalis. <laughs> the feds, feds came in. I had I had the biggest, I had one of the biggest songs in Florida, really the Southeast region with Freak. You know what I'm saying? And I had I'm the shit popping. People were still on, you know what I'm saying? Listen to the old Rick Freeze and got a lot of holes and all that shit. And X. And the motherfucking feds come and give me a drop a federal indictment on my motherfucking ass so now nah, i gotta stop a, you right there yeah. what can you disclose about that situation what happened and just, why I were the disclose fans? everything now nah, this shit over and on my pro i can disclose everything okay so walk me through, walk me through what happened and, and 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 how that ended up affecting you professionally uh you know from a music perspective what, what all happened because a lot of people don't know 
you know, a lot of people don't know because they, you know, they talk shit and they hate it, but they didn't know what I was doing. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I, I moved with silence and I was a real young boss. I was had I had a lot of money at a young age. What happened was, like I said, when my brother got shot, I basically had to take over. So I had found a plug. You feel me? In uh, in Texas, mm-hmm. some Mexicans. Mm-hmm. And so I started rocking with them about 2003. And so you know we rocking and rocking and rocking. You know what I'm saying? Get money, all this. I got the deal in like 06. That's when I had really stopped. But they were still doing their thing. And uh, my homeboy Dirt, he was still, he, he kept rocking with them. You know, I had put Dirt on. I was like, I'm going to put you on with these boys. I'm out the game. Mm-hmm. So I put Dirt on with them and I let Dirt start rocking with them. And I just, I kind of backed away because I had the deal and all that shit. So came to find out around 2008, it got knocked off. Mm-hmm. First, Dirt, first, uh, the, the dudes that got knocked off, um, they was coming back with some money that I, you know what I'm saying, some money of mine. Like I had paid, they had brought some work, I paid them the money, and when they was on the way back to Texas, they got knocked off. So they kept all that on file and all that shit. They ain't never come after me then. But when Dirt got knocked off, Dirt got knocked off for like 100 pounds of weed right there on the west side on Blandon at the little, uh, leaving the little Motel 6. Excuse me, he got knocked off right there. And that just triggered the whole indictment because they got Dirt, they got these Mexicans that was fucking with me that I had passed on to Dirt. Mexicans is all saying they was bringing me weed and dope. You feel me? So they got they got like three or four Mexicans saying that they got knocked out. They snitching, and then they just got dirt. So boom, dirt ain't telling me, but you know what I'm saying. The Mexicans snitched on me, and boom, they got all they, they story together. You know, and the fans once they got two or three people all saying the same thing, they can indict you. And it don't matter how long it was. They came in and arrested me at the end of 2008, 2009. Well, they tried to hit you with Rico. Nah, they hit me with conspiracy, five kilos of cocaine and a hundred pounds of marijuana or more. Okay, now I gotta ask you about because you brought up dirt. You guys had beef at one point, and there was a lot of stuff that went went on the social media and on the internet in the in the late two thousands right. about you guys having beef and this person snitching and that person snitching. What happened there? Right. What's true? What's false? And how did you guys get back to a place to where you could communicate? Because there was some ugliness there for a little while. Yeah, what happened was first of all, like I said, dirt got arrested before me, right? Mm-hmm. So. He had, he had a federal like he got arrested with the state and the feds picked it up. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know I didn't know the feds had picked it up till a long time like probably like three or four months later. And he called me to his house. He was like, "Man, the feds don't pick me up, bro. And, um, they want me to snitch on you." So at this point, I'm like, "Shit, it, it all you know what I'm saying? It's shit getting real." So I'm like, "Nigga, I'm, I'm being real. I'm like, well, what you gonna do? He's like, man, you know I ain't gonna tell him. He, like, you know I ain't gonna tell him you, bro. But he said they he said they coming to get you regardless." And I was like, what you mean regardless? He's like, he, he said they got a strong enough case to come get you regardless. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh shit. Then they started subpoenaing my uh my oldest son, Mama. Then they, they subpoenaed my uh my chick I was messing with, uh Paris, you know, Paris, mm-hmm. the one that Drake made all the songs about mm-hmm. Paris and music shit. Mm-hmm. They subpoenaed her, you know, because I was getting shit sent, uh, I was getting uh packages sent to her house. Right. So they, and they, they called a couple of them, you know what I'm saying? So but they ain't never, you know, they ain't never arrested me or nothing like that. Or arrest her, they just called him and just kept the file, kept it on file. Right. And the Mexicans were saying, yeah, that was they, that was the they shit that they were sending to me and all that shit here. So what happened was after Dirk got arrested, and then the fan came up, my cousin saw money. I'm sure you know who saw money is. Mm-hmm. He said one of his homeboys told him that Dirk said and this. I couldn't really talk to Dirk either at this time because he was, he was, you know, they had him in, in holding. Mm-hmm. They were saying Dirk, Dirk, no, Dirk wasn't holding yet. He was out. Dirk said he said Dirk said that uh. That you told on him. And I'm like, what? I said, how the fuck I tell on somebody who got arrested motherfucking seven, eight months before me? Right. You feel me? So that was the first time. 
And another motherfucker source came to me. I know my nigga, you know, Saul ain't gonna lie to me because I'm a cousin. And I'm, I'm not saying that what he was what he was saying was true, but all I'm saying is he not gonna lie to me he about what give, the person he gonna said. He's gonna give you the facts based on what he know, but what he know right, may right. not be accurate information. I got you. Exactly, but you know me, I, I was kind of hot about that because I know though it's coming from Saul. That's a reliable source. That's my cousin. Mm-hmm. And then another somebody else came and told me, I forgot who it was. So, oh, so then that's two people came and told me. So I'm like, damn, goddamn, what the motherfucker? Because I think what happened was, I don't know if, how true it is or not, but I think he was getting spooked because he thought I was gonna tell him what he did. But you know, that's my dog. What he did was his business. You know what I'm saying? I ain't got right. nothing to do with me. I want, you know what I'm saying? Right. So I kind of went out on a limb. I ain't gonna lie. Once I went out on a limb, you know what I'm saying? From from hearing all that shit from my cousin and, and this other nigga. I'm like, God damn, they're out of no, 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 nigga, you snitch for real. You know what I'm saying? You ain't, I ain't saying. See, what people got mis, misconstrued is they think they thought I was saying that dirt snitched on me. I never said that. You would never hear me. You never heard me say dirt snitched on me. I said he snitched. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, and who he snitched on was the Mexicans. It was it was a family. It was the family members of the Mexicans who all set us being him up. Right. So I was like, man, that, I mean, that's your business. You, I wasn't finna do that, but you know, that's it. He 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 just caught the motherfuckers who caught us. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, that's how the game go. You know how I look at it. Shit, them motherfuckers told us, so dirt told on them. <laughs> at the end of the day, you know what I'm saying? So he got he got time knocked off for, for telling on them boys. You know what I'm saying? And dirt don't give a fuck. He tell you, yeah, the motherfucker set me and my dog up, so I got their ass. Dirt will tell you straight, he'll give a fuck. You know what I'm saying? But that's what happened. So, but but in the midst of that though, we was going at it. You know what I'm saying? I was saying, you know, he, he might he, he made up a few things. You was making up my shit was all factual though. You can say what you want, but I mean I ain't I ain't got no five K. Five K is when you tell on somebody to be in your paperwork. It's called five K or a rule thirty five is when you actually get in prison and you got niggas working for you. Mm-hmm. Which that had that that's happened to me several times. Niggas was in prison was trying to get their bitch or they niggas to set me up. That's called rule thirty five. But when you tell on somebody once you get arrested, like Dirk did, you know what I'm saying, he knocked them boys off and knocked us off, you know what I'm saying, then you'll get a five K um uh substantial assistance or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he got a time knocking off for that. So we went forth, back and forth about that, you know what I'm saying? Then, you know, when, when I came home, then, you know, he came home. You know, we've been friends since we was fucking five years old, bro. So I was like, bro, that shit, you know, it's petty. I kind of jumped off the bridge when niggas was coming to me telling me you were saying this. And, and you jumped off the bridge with the shit you were saying. You know, I, you was entertainment for you because a lot of that shit was made up. So, because, you know, the paperwork don't lie. Mm-hmm. So, we, we, you know what I'm saying? We, we just squashed that shit, you know what I'm saying? So we back on, back on one accord. Matter of fact, I just wrote him a letter the other day. Cause you know he got he got he got locked back up on some other shit, but he'll be uh, on like okay. years. He'll be on like two years. Okay. Now so we good. Good, good, good. I'm glad to hear that because I hated to see you guys kind of kind of in that space. Now one thing about Dirk, if he, anybody if anybody I know is gonna go for me and gonna keep it real is Dirk. Okay. And that's that's just on the real. You feel me? Right. Now we you chose it all together. You chose to sign the Napper Boy in 2009. Now we both know Payne is a gifted artist. I actually. You know, Payne probably doesn't remember me, but I used to work for Little Boy. And so, literally, I was around Payne all the time as we were passing each other, interacting with each other um, very early on. I remember when he brought that, when he came in smelling terrible, wearing a dirty-ass T-shirt to a pool party over by FAMU uh, and gave Little Boy I'm Sprunk. So, that's how far back we go. But I know he's a gifted artist, but at that point, it was basically that... As an artist, he wasn't known for working other projects for other artists and getting them to the next next level. That and this was only a only a digital out. The deal only created kind of a digital outlet for you to release music through him, 
What made you choose to sign that deal as opposed to working for another deal that might get you with a major? To be honest with you, bro, I was just ready to get the fuck out of Universal. And I knew Pay <laughs> was so hot at the time, bro, it made sense. You feel me? Because I'm gonna I'm gonna go right into a situation where I knew I know how to infiltrate and capitalize. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Like I don't feel like Tay Dillon or uh, Jay Leary, they didn't know how to do that shit because they want no hustlers for real. You know, I'm from the streets. I know how to get that bag. Plus, mm-hmm. I already have my own following anyway. Right. You know what I'm saying? I got a deal on my I got a deal on my own without you know what I'm saying. I got pain. I got pain. The uh, you know what I'm saying? I got Universal to actually fly pain out of the LA when I was getting my deal, you know what I'm saying, on my face. Right. They didn't sign them. You know what I'm saying? They didn't sign them, but they signed me. So that lets you know right there. I already had my whole situation going. So I just figured out if I go in one of the number one artists in the fucking world, international, if I jump on this on this shit with him, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm out of here. You feel me? And like I said, when the feds came in, that ruined every fucking thing. Because if, if I would have had that push behind, I'm a freak like Tay Dizzle had behind, behind um, uh, Chevy sitting high and that song with Akon, bitch, I would have been out of here. No questions asked. Everybody know that. Because right. the song is still doing numbers to this day. And I I never really got no full, full. Uh, I never did a full service on the record at all. So I feel like that was, I feel like that was the best position for me because for one, we was friends. You know what I'm saying? Two, I knew he was gonna look out for me because I looked out for him. Like I said, he stayed with me in Jacksonville. I looked out for him. I looked after that boy. I didn't know he was gonna be big as he was. Mm-hmm. He was living with me. I was taking care of him, you know what I'm saying? Feed him, buying him clothes, all that shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Just looking out for him because I respected his crowd and I, I just you know, I was just trying to look out for him. So I, I knew he was gonna return the favor because he's a real nigga. So I felt that that was gonna be the best position for me, you know what I'm saying? And then like I said, the fans came and knocked all that shit out. Mm-hmm. I just always wondered why you chose why you chose that outlet, because I mean it you know, even now, it, there, I mean, there's no there's no real physical copies of, of the for the industry anymore. So that doesn't really matter. So it's fine to be on a label that only provides a digital outlet. But at that point, well, they came time, up with that bullshit. They, they came up with that bullshit on their own. I wasn't fucking man. I wasn't worried about that shit. They kept telling, yeah, yeah, you nappy boy digital man. I don't give a fuck about no digital, digital hard sell, rest of bitch. I just want to put out motherfucking hits. And do and get these shows, get the show money. That's all I cared about. I didn't give a fuck about that shit. They can say they can say whatever. They can say, Nappy boy, motherfucking analog. I didn't give a fuck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I just knew I just knew what pain what pain following and his and, and, and the shit he had going on. It was easy for me to be so close to him that I can put out records and get them shits popping. Right. You feel me? Now, before you turned yourself in for your sentence in 2010, you released the the mixtape that you knew I was going to talk about on this podcast because I've talked about it on every other podcast and I've talked about it to Listen, you. Man. The vacation. Listen, no, 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 no. Yeah. I'm going to get this I'm out, David. <laughs> I'm going to get this out, which I have said on this podcast is the greatest collection of music that you have ever put together and is the antithesis of who you are as a songwriter and as a creative mind. Now, Cash. You've put amazing singles over. You've put together amazing singles over the years, but this mixtape is damn near a perfect solo album. What is going on in your mind while you record this, and why haven't we seen this collection of music like this from you since then? You gotta realize, boy. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you the real because this is. I mean, this is reality. You know, and I, you know, you're my nigga, and I ain't gonna. I never lie to my fans, regardless. But I was so motherfucking stressed out, bro. Cause you gotta really, you gotta realize. First of all, I was looking at zero to ten. Mm-hmm. I was looking at ten. I could have did ten years. First off, I had a great lawyer paying in a paying like two hundred, one hundred eighty to two hundred thousand for this lawyer mm-hmm. out of Miami. I didn't want no lawyer out of Jacksonville because I didn't want to get swapped out of no shit like that. You know how they do in New Orleans. Yeah. So you gotta realize that was the first thing. Boom. Oh, you're looking at ten. 
then came the, you know, then came all the legal shit about the, you know, as far as first first time felon, never had no priors, all that shit. It's, 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 a, it's a program called a safety valve, which means basically the judge can give you anything he want, you know what I'm saying, as he looks into the case. You know what I'm saying? So he looked in, you know, my judge Corrigan too. And if you know anything about Corrigan, he don't gave out the least most least most time in the middle district of Florida. Mm-hmm. Like he really right. He's the type of judge. He reads all the, you know, like when people get about to get locked up, they send all these letters to the judge, like character witness letters and all that shit. Mm-hmm. He yeah. reads, he, he reads everything. He reads all of them. You know what I'm saying? He, he does thorough, a thorough investigation of the person who you are for real. Right. You know what I'm saying? So as he read up on that, he seen that, you know what I'm saying? I graduated with honors. You feel me? Played basketball, went to college, you know what I'm saying? Came from a Christian home, but both of my parents were gospel singers. You know what I'm saying? I just turned to the streets on some shit. Well, I really was forced into it because that's what my brother was doing, and that was really like my dad. You know what I'm saying? And, and I was just following his footsteps, and I had to take over when he got shot. I really got pushed into that life. That was the whole spiel my lawyer ran down. So he ended up giving me the safety valve, which means he can give me anything he wanted. And then it was my first time, so he gave me a slap on the wrist, really. He gave me a year and a half, which was a slap on the wrist, which is perfect, you know what I'm saying, for me, but fucked up in music business time, you know what I'm saying? A fucking a year and a half going out in the music business, especially when you got a hit record. I had a hit record with I'm a Freak. Mm-hmm. That shit just set you, it set you back and it put you on freeze, you know what I'm saying? Because out of sight, out of mind. Right. You know, so that's how that shit went down. Bruh. Vacation is the greatest collection of music that you've ever done, bruh. I, I swear. Oh, yeah, my bad. Yeah, let me, let me get back to that, though. So, my bad. I had a lot of training. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. But, you get when you think about it, bro. I was so stressed out because I I was a year I was out I was out like a year and some change. Just I don't bond and right. what just we was doing was yeah. not really wait. But what we was doing was I wanted to go on these tours, all these tours we had. So basically, my lawyer would say, make up some shit. You know, he'll make up some bullshit. Say yeah, he's doing this and this and that. You know what I'm saying? So can we buy some more time? And every time we did that, bitch, we had to pay twenty racks. Mm-hmm. So we did that like four times. That was what like you know what I'm saying 80, 80 grand of, of the money of the lawyer went right there was just. Him, me buying time, trying to stay out so I can go on these tours and shit to get my buzz up. Mm-hmm. So in the midst of that, I finally find out when I after I got sentenced. That's when I find out where I was going. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I found out how much time I had. It was really dumb. I swear to God, like the most uh, breath of fresh air I ever felt in my life. Because mm-hmm. you know I was worried. I could have got in. The judge, you know what I'm saying? I, the judge can be like, "No fuck it, we just go ahead and give him the ten. You know, it's, we're talking about five kilos of, uh, of cocaine. Five bricks, you talking about a hundred pounds of marijuana or more, you know what I'm saying? Of the operation he had going on for multiple years. Right. So he couldn't really bail me, but he was like, he seen that I had changed my life. I had put that shit down, started my music career, was you know what I'm saying, doing me. Mm-hmm. So he looked at all that. So when I found out, I bro, it was like it was like the, the fucking weight was lifted off my shoulders. I know I'm only finna go do it a year and a half. I'm, I'm you know what I'm saying, I'm feeling good. I know where I'm going, and they, they somewhere I was going to prison, I was getting locked. So it was really like boom, all right, now it's a vacation. I'm finna go do my vacation and come back. So I was so free-minded, free, free-spirited. I was just like every day I was in the studio. Dog. I, I promise you, bro. I did that album in probably like a month. I'm talking. About I was in, I was in it every day, always recording because you know I do shit for other people and mm-hmm. and we was pitching shit for other artists. I was helping pay, write other shit too for other people. But dog, with that album, I swear it was just so it was just coming to me so easily. So it was it was it was a movie, bro. I can't really explain. It was a feeling that I was just in this, I was in the zone, bro. And, I, and, you know, as a listener like you, you know what I'm saying, well, appreciate it. I, I, I'm pretty sure you can feel it. Like, I was just in the zone on that bitch. You feel me? And, <laughs> yeah, and, and I agree with you. That's what, when people ask me what's my favorite one, I always say that, the vacation. That was my favorite one because I was just so free, bro. I was I had the weight lifted off my shoulders with the federal case. I had been, you know what I'm saying, going through that shit for like a year and some change. Didn't know what the consequences was or what, how, how long I was going to do. 
You know what I'm saying? I ain't never been to prison. I ain't know what that shit was gonna be like. I had all that, but after I got after I got sentenced, bro, and I and I found out where I was going to prison, I was just it was just like a, a, a sigh of relief, and I just let go and I just was in the zone, bro. But I appreciate that though. That's like my favorite one too. I, I stay on you about that because I really feel like there's still some record. This is some stuff that could be dug out of that. I know it's been so oh, many man, years. Oh man, it's plenty of shit we could dig. Yeah, we. we, gonna dig. we when we, but that, when, we find, when we finally get on, like we, we're supposed to get on, which I feel like it's gonna be within the next year or so. All that shit coming back. You feel me? <laughs> Bring it back. Digging I'm, up all that. I'm ready to. I'm, I'm ready like, to hear all of that. Shit, you know, man, you right there with me. Dig. We gonna dig through this. We gonna throw through these motherfuckers. We gonna see what's happening. Swag like Amber Rose, first single. <laughs> Straight up. And I remember, I remember when I posted that shit on Twitter. When I put that record out, she liked that bitch, reposted it, and all that shit. Yeah, and that shit still get go right now. It's timeless. You it, feel it, me? It, timeless that, that record, that record could still run right now, and she's still just as popular with her slut walking, all that kind of shit that she got going on now. Exactly. So it ain't like she done fell off. So perfect right. opportunity for y'all to do something together. Now, um, in December 2010, I think is when you turned yourself in to do your 18 months. Uh, what was it like uh, during that time for you and? Uh, how long did you actually end up doing, and when did when did you get out? Also, how has uh, how has having gone to prison affected you, and how you moved through the music industry? Well, I think I actually went in in, in November. My mistake. Okay. It was like I ended up doing I ended up a year in, and then six months. Because I thought I thought <laughs> the vacation came out in November, and then I read a I read an interview that was saying that you went in in December, like the Wednesday prior to. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, I think we released it. When it was in November, when it released, it was the day I think it, I think it was I like November tenth or something like that. Is when it was. Released. I think that was the day I went in. Yeah, November tenth. Okay. That's the day I went in. Okay, I went in that same day. I told Jimmy. I called Exclusive J. God bless the dead. That's my brother. I love him to death. Mm-hmm. I called him when I as I was walking into the prison gates, and I told him go ahead and drop that bitch. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So we dropped. We dropped that the same day. But yeah, I ended up doing a year in, and then six months halfway, I was in them five fucking long ass years of probation. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that was that was the, that was worse. That was worse than prison for real, but. Nah, it was like, um, you know, it was just what I was expecting. You know, you got a bunch of niggas in there capping and doing all this bullshit, man. But, you know, like, at the end of the day, dog, everybody in prison trying to come home, bro. Mm-hmm. Niggas trying to get to the high. So it ain't really, you know, you got your shit going on. When niggas, when niggas, all the, with all the beef to jump off of prison, come because of the gambling or either a nigga's a rat. You know what I'm saying? When a nigga a rat, you know what I'm saying? A nigga find out you're a rat, they're going to make you check in. Check in, man. You got to go and turn yourself into the hole. You can't be on the yard. So of course, you know, I was on the track. You know, my paperwork was clean. You know, I'm on the yard every day, you know. So it was pretty smooth, man. Like, I just got myself into the little basketball and the football, you know what I'm saying, teams and the, and the, uh, and the softball teams and all that shit just to make that time go by. You know what I'm saying? I didn't really fo- I didn't want to even focus on music. I didn't want to write no shit. I didn't want to think about music. I just wanted to get my mind right, get some rest, you know what I'm saying, my body, get my body right, you feel me, and, and read the whole Bible. That's all I did while I was in there. And just, you know, just keep, keep, the, keep the with the homies from the Florida car. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I fuck with niggas from South Carolina, too, in the South Carolina car. But, you know, the Florida car, we was deep. You know what I'm saying? We had a, we had a nice little vibe in there. So I was just really just doing my time, bro, just trying to get up out that bitch. Right. And as far as the way I move, you know what I'm saying, differently. Now it's like, even, you know, when you get to prison, man, out of sight is out of mind. I understand that. But there was a lot of people who I really was fucking with, who I looked out for all my life, who, you know what I'm saying, ain't even attempt to pick up a pen or, Ride a nigga or, or whatever the case may be. So really, when I came, I just started moving different. You know what I'm saying? More solo action, and even now, I really move more solo. I, you, damn, they won't see me with nobody now unless it's Midget Mac or Manny G. Mm-hmm. You feel me? I really, I really just move solo, bro. You know what I'm saying? I just, just doing my own thing. Shout out to Manny G, man. I, I, I don't know when I get a chance to, to, to holler at Manny again. I actually taught Manny. I was a substitute teacher when he was in high school. 
at first yeah, course. That's, dope. <laughs> so, that's fucking that's, that's how, fucking dope. <laughs> that's how far back we go. <laughs> that shit crazy. But you know he just you know pay we just signed on the Nappy Boy. Oh did you? Okay. Yeah, we just signed on the Nappy Boy a couple weeks uh on my birthday party at Mavericks. We made the announcement. Yeah, we just signed so he with us now. He with Nappy Boy. He playing squad Nappy Boy. That's what's up. That's what's up. Now I, I'm I'm a, I'm gonna tell a story and then I want you to talk a little bit about your brother. Two thousand right. and New Year's Eve, two thousand and seven. Um, I well, met Christopher. These, you good with these motherfucking dates? Well, I don't know how you remember. Oh, these I, dates. I, I, I remember. I remember this date vividly because it's the last time I got my ass whooped. Now, <laughs> Thanksgiving <laughs> Eve, two thousand and seven. We're at Christopher's. You weren't there, but I ended up being with some of the other MOE. I think uh, his name's Orlando. Is what I think his name is. Yeah, Jay, Atlanta, 28, yeah. Yeah, all of them. I'm, I end up being with a lot of them. I got a phone call saying, hey, yo, we're all in Christopher's. Come on over. So I come over. I call Toya, my homegirl. You know the girl I used to run with all the time. They used to right, right. me left. Right, 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 right. So right. I call her and say, come on over. So she's like, well, I'll meet you out there. All right, cool. So we get out there. I'm already in the VIP with your team. And um, she happens to be across, you know, upstairs on the second level of Christopher's or whatever. So I'm waving at her right. to try to tell her to come to the VIP. So she starts walking to the VIP. As she walks to the VIP, you see her head kind of, you know, because the VIP like sits up and you can look and you can see everybody's right, right, head. Right. And um, right. you see her kind of pop up a little bit. And then when she finally gets into the VIP, she's angry about something. I'm like, what's wrong with you? And she was like, well, this nigga just grabbed me by my pussy. Da, 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 da. She's mad, right? And she's so irate. She's so irate that she's not paying attention to like where she's at and what's going on and all this kind of stuff. So she sees the guy and just throws a drink on the dude from the VIP. So the dude throws a drink back. They start tossing drinks. And so I pull her back and I go, yo, everybody just chill. It's not a big deal. Because, I mean, first of all, we're not from the west side. And it's literally like as far as New Blood was concerned, it's just me, her, and we had the tall girl, Candace, from the west side. Tall, light-skinned chick. And so, right, 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 right. I'm like, okay, if some shit pop off, I'm, I'm, I'm here by myself. <laughs> like, so, I'm like, I'm like, yo, it's cool. Everybody just chill. And so, the nigga threw a drink on me. <laughs> and I lost it. So, I chuck a drink at him. They rushed the uh, they rushed the VIP. And next thing we know, we start sparring. We literally fighting. And I all the credit in the world to the MOE team and all this type of stuff. Because literally, all those niggas jumped in and they fought right along with me. You know what I'm saying? But I say all that to say this. So we all get thrown out of the club. It's just like everybody got put out of the club. And that was, the, that was them niggas jumped me outside. And I ain't going to lie. I got my ass whooped and I got dropped on my head. Say all that to say this. A couple weeks later, I get a phone call from Vic. And Vic says, hey, Brandon. I said, yeah, what's up, Vic? He's like, um, so I heard you got into a fight in Christopher's. I was like, yeah. And I'm going to put it to you like this. Without saying going too much into detail, he said, I just want you to know I took care of that for you. And that's all he said to me. That's it. Vic one of the I never saw one of the dudes ever again in life. He just I never saw him in Jacksonville ever again. The other guy I saw him at the DJ Melage that we did for D Money's birthday the following year. The nigga came up to me with a bottle and apologized. I don't know what your brother did. <laughs> you know, Vic Grace, man. I, don't tell him what he did. Yeah, I, 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 I understand. So tell me a little bit about Vic passed away, what, 2011, right? Was it 2011? Right. Yeah, Tell me about what, what happened and, and you know, what, what Vic has meant to your life and, and how that passing affected you. 
I mean, you know, he raised me, you know, like me and my mom, you know, we bumped heads and I was, I was coming up. Like I said, I'm a free spirit, but I just kind of just go my own way and do my own thing and think how I think, you know what I'm saying? So me and my mom always bumped heads when I was younger. So I was, I, you know, I was living with my brother Vic since like middle school. So, you know, he was bouncing around. He'd be, we'll be on the third and we'll move to San Juan and we might move to Southside Boulevard and we'll move to the North side and back to the West. You know what I'm saying? We was all over the place. That's why I say I'm like a nomad when it comes to this shit. So he basically raised me. He got me into the music. You know what I'm saying? He said, we're doing this rap shit, bro. What's up? You know what I'm saying? I, you know, I'm down. You know, I can, you know, I can do anything. I can do this shit. So we started doing that. He got me, he the one who got me into this shit. You feel me? So mm-hmm. it's always a respect factor when it comes to, you know what I'm saying? As far as music, why he got me into, he brought me into the game. And he brought me into the streets, you know what I'm saying? I wouldn't know nothing about nothing. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't find out how to infiltrate, find the plugs and all that shit, you know, my prior life. You know what I'm saying? I'm, you know, I'm legal now, but, you know, back then, he went, I, you know, I learned all that through him. I learned how to find the people. I know how to get get up on them, get up, you know what I'm saying, to get that shit here. So, eventually, you know, as I got older, you know, like I said, me and my brother always bumped here, but I got, as, I, as I got older and when he got shot, I ended up having to take care of him, you know what I'm saying? Because he was in a wheel, he was bound to a wheelchair. Right. You know, so I had to, I had to wash him, take, give him baths, change the clothes. I did that do the whole nine. You know what I'm saying? It was like I was really just taking care of it like a child, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, and but I had to because he always looked out for me. I ain't never had to want for nothing when I was young, when I was coming up. You know, I never had to want for nothing. Right. You know what I'm saying? He was like he was my brother slash daddy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like I said, I loved him to death, man. It was it's, it's nothing. Nobody who gave me more motivation or pushed me more than him. You know what I'm saying? He gave me the motivation to even go solo and rock out and do everything. You know what I'm saying? And when he passed, he passed. He actually passed, and I was in prison. And that was the worst time of my fucking life because I'm already in prison. You know what I'm saying? I want to be here. And then uh, my brother passed, and these puss ass crackers don't even want to let me leave to go to the funeral. And I only had like I think it was February when he passed, and I was getting out of that November in November. So I'm like, you know what I'm saying? I'm, you know, so I, was le- I was definitely less than a year. They usually let people go when they're less than a year. I only had a year. I only did a year, so I thought they was going to let me go. First, they tried to say, uh, I ain't been there. I wasn't there long enough. Then they tried to say, then when I, when, when that when that passed and I was there long enough to go, you know, so then it was like, oh, yeah, what's the money issue? And keep in mind, I never told the people who I was. The only people who knew I was was the Florida car. Right. And a couple of, couple, couple of Georgia, a couple of people in the Georgia car, they knew who I was. Mm-hmm. But like the South Carolina, North Carolina, they didn't know who I was. They didn't know I had money. They didn't know I was signing T Pain. They didn't know all this shit was going on. Mm-hmm. So they were like, "Yeah." So they thought I was just a peon. So they're like, "Yeah, it's gonna cost X amount of money for you to go." I said, "Well, what? Well, tell me what? I, tell me what I need. Just draw it out of my account. You feel me? Take it out of my account. I got that in my account right now, Phil." Right. So once they found out I had the money, and they did their research and find out who I was. <clears throat> they uh, two things happened. They didn't let me go, which is the sorry part. That was the fucked up part. And then that same warden who ain't let me go, he ended up getting fired anyway. And we got a new warden who came, a black dude, which was cool as fuck. But he would have been there, I would have got to go. But but being that, and then they actually did the research on who I was, they're like, God damn, bro, you, you they were like all the CEOs, like, damn, you so fucking humble. You know what I'm saying? We would have never known. You know what I'm saying? You never said nothing about it, never talked about it. You know, we had people coming here who won't even have us on the level he was. They came in bragging and talking about all the shit they done. They wouldn't even really know about it. He said, You signed a T pain, you young cash, blah, blah, blah. So that gave them a, a better respect for me. So this started treating me way better, you know what I'm saying? And giving me a little extra more privileges and shit just on the fact that I was humble when I was in that bitch. You know what, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when he passed, like I said, like, they didn't let me go to the funeral, you know what I'm saying? I had found out through the internet, like, emails. People was emailing me saying, you know what I'm saying? My brother passed, and I just lost it, bro. I lost it for like a week, bro. I, could, I ain't eat for like a week in that bitch. But I got a shot. My nigga, my nigga V-Train, he probably listened to this motherfucking podcast. 
once I posted, like he, that nigga that he held me down, my nigga, my nigga V, he from um, he from Ocala. Okay. You know what I'm saying? He, he was like the Florida shot caller. Like, he was a nigga who ran the Florida car. <clears throat> and like that nigga just like, man, he looked out for me. He was, you know, he was making sure I was straight. He was making sure I was eating the shit, bro. Cause I was, I was really fucked up by that, but I couldn't like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I ain't gonna never see my brother again ever in life. You know what I'm saying? I can't even go to the funeral or nothing, bro. So it, it fucked me up bad. But yeah, it was real. It was real. Like it was a, it was a, it was a, a light, real life changing, you know what I'm saying? Situation. And I just, I don't know. But I was just, I was just out of it, bro. I was out of it for a good two weeks. Right. Vic was an amazing person, man. I mean, you know, nobody's yeah, perfect by any stretch of imagination, but I, I never had a bad experience with him. He, like I said, he was terribly gracious to me. He paid me when other people didn't want to pay. Um, you know, he was, uh, he always call and check on me. And then that story, I tell you, like, I, I'll, I'll never forget that story. That's something that I think I'll always carry with me for the rest of my life, you know, so. Yeah, if he, if he, my brother the type of dude, if he fuck with you, he fuck with you all the way. If he don't fuck with you, it's fuck you. Right, and I didn't even ask him about it. I didn't even ask him to handle that situation. I guess he just heard about it through Jay and through Orlando and them. Like, but I never, I never brought that to him. You know what I'm saying? Because I didn't feel like it was his responsibility to handle that for me. He saw how hard you was working though. Like anything, like you see anybody contributing to our to our growth, our movement, bro. He down with you. You know what I'm saying? He gonna he gonna have your back 100. percent That's just how big was. And you know, like I said, like you said, he wasn't perfect. But at the end of the day, I never seen a nigga move and work like him. You know what I'm saying? Not, not even, not, not even before, uh, before he got shot, but even after he got shot from a wheelchair. Like I never seen nobody move and get as much work done from a wheelchair. That's why I like I tell these niggas, you, you ain't got no excuse. I seen my brother doing this shit from a wheelchair. You know what I'm saying? Full throttle. So, mm-hmm. like I said, he was motivation in itself just to see how he ride and see how hard he pushed. You know what I'm saying? Being bound to a wheelchair. Right, hundred percent. Now, unfortunately, you've you've had other losses over over the past few years. Um, some good friends. You, you briefly mentioned Exclusive J, but most recently, uh, Jokeisha Brown, Miss Dynasty, passed away. Can you talk about how, how those have affected you both personally and professionally? Because I know both of those people you're very close with. Well, with, with, with Exclusive J, you know, it was a situation with him. Like, I saw his potential, and I saw what he was about. When I, like, when I said, when I came to Nappy Boy, I had nothing. You know what I'm saying? I just meet straight by myself. And he saw me, he was like, man, he saw how hard I worked. Like, them boys, like, take this and them boys, nothing against them boys, but they just went at it like me. You know, I'm I'm, a, I'm hungry. I'm a dog out here, you feel me, when it comes to something I'm trying to do. And I love music. It's in me, you know what I'm saying? They, I don't think they really come from a musical background like me, which, you know, maybe maybe to my advantage, but I was in the, I was like a dog at the I'm like, they, they had to beat me out the studio, you feel me? Like, mm-hmm. I'm there day and night. Right. Day and all, all motherfuckers there. We might take a, me and Bishop Jones. It was me, I, I brought my whole team down there. Bishop Jones, Lando. Um, Lil Joe and MGZ, bro. Only time we'll take a break is maybe to go get something to eat or go to the strip club to get some vibes and get some motivation. We come right back to the studio, bro. Like, we was like, I'm at it. Like, they were like, this was a fucking maniac in about this shit. Mm-hmm. And so, like, G- I think uh, Jimmy seen that and he wanted to move with my camp. But it was a little friction with Tay Dism because, you know, they all, the boys was all in Tallahassee and he felt like Jimmy should have been working for him and all that. But Jimmy just saw an opportunity with me to just come to, to become my manager. And even though he was younger than me, I saw his work ethic, and I and I kind of groomed him in the way that I, how, how, how I rock and how I roll, and my morals and values and principles. And he fell right in. Mm-hmm. He, he, he was a nigga that wasn't, wasn't scared to listen. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Right. And he he, he had adapt, He just adapted, bro. And it was just like, man, he just immediately turned into family, bro. I just can't even explain it. He was like the best thing that happened to me in my career. He's responsible for all my shit getting put out. 
all my mixtapes before then, he, like he made sure everything was right, bro. I didn't have to do nothing but he made it so I didn't have to do nothing but be an artist. Right, right. <laughs> As opposed to before, I had to do everything myself. I had to do this. I had to get put the mixtape together. I got to get somebody to do the mixtape. I got to put it out. I got to send it out to all the websites. I, he did everything, bro. It's right. a one man shop. Right. And I loved him for that. And then on top of that, him just you know being this uh, just you know just follow. I think he just was following my code that I live by. You know what I'm saying? He was just, just he was like a mini me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I loved it. Like I didn't have to act. Like when we go play, I didn't have to ask him. He know what I wanted for like shows and shit. Like he know I, if I wasn't gonna like this or like that. It was just clockwork, bro. And then you know, like I said, when I came home, it was unfortunate. You know what I'm saying? When I had the little coming home party for my birth, it was my birthday that that first year of my birthday. That's when he, you know what I'm saying? He got shot. Yeah. At uh, the after party at the silver Park, man, it just crushed me, dog. There's some like, niggas really trying to rob him or something, right? <laughs> Yeah, they try to rob my side of Silver Fox. And uh, I don't even tell a lot of people this because it just really it, it fucks with me mentally when I say it. But I don't even like to mention it. Bit, but the truth is, like, they beat me over there to the spot because we had left our other spot, Fat Cats. Mm-hmm. And they beat me over there to the spot. And uh, when they beat me over there, they had went in. And, I, you know, I came and I and I, I just got there a little bit, about like 10 minutes before him. But he came out, actually came outside looking for me. That's what that's why I just feel so fucked up about it. You know what I'm saying? If I'd have been right on time with them boys, you know what I'm saying? Maybe it wouldn't happen. Maybe, maybe it would have, maybe it wouldn't. I don't know. But all I know is he came out looking for me to make sure I was straight. You right. feel me? And then he ran into some fucking, some bitch ass niggas outside, you know what I'm saying? Did the bullshit. Because at the end of the day, they robbed him. He at, they, he gave him everything. Gave him his jewelry, gave him his money. He gave him, kicked off his shoes, gave him his shoes. And they still shot him. You feel me? Yeah. So it's just some bitch ass, you know, this do shit, man. These niggas is old niggas. They don't, these young niggas ain't got no code. They don't, you know what I'm saying? They don't, they don't follow no kind of code and no kind of regulations out here in the streets. That's why I just I stay low key, bro, and I just move differently. Now, you know what I'm saying? Right. But yeah, Jimmy was a major part of my life, man. Like I can't, I can't even. If I was to write a biography, like he'd be a major part of that shit, cause like he was a brother, a manager. You know what I'm saying? He was my best friend. You feel me? Right. And, and with and with Joe Keisha, I mean, I know you know you Joe you Keisha, and her man, That was my heart, man. Yeah. That's my heart, bro. That was my heart, bro. Like. When I tell you, like, my number one fan, bro, like, you know how you got people who, like, yeah, I fuck with Young Cat, you know, like, you, I know you fuck with my music. I know you legitimately fuck with my music, because you, you will say mixtapes and, and songs that niggas are never, that don't even heard of, they only listen to the hit records that come out. Mm-hmm. That's why bitches don't even, that's why niggas don't even know half my shit, you know, that, that, I, that I really can rap for real, that I really can sing for real, because they only listen to the hit records. Mm-hmm. And, you know what I'm saying, most of the time, that be radio shit, you know what I'm saying, they don't really get into it, so, like, you've actually got into my music and shit, and I, and I appreciate that, like, you, you know, you, I feel like you really know my music. She was one of the people who really knew my music, really supported. You know what I'm saying? She gave me advice, helped me out, gave my music to DJs and other places where she might be traveling or whatever. Mm-hmm. Put me down. She almost got me a feature. Uh, she almost got nailed to buy one of my tracks. Only reason why he didn't because he thought me and her was fucking, which we never did. You know what I'm saying? Our relationship, our relationship was like really brother sister, like for real. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But like, man, she was in my heart, bro. Like, never, never, never seen a frown, never seen a down, bro. Like, always, always kept a smile on my face. Like, well, go, well, well, fucking, she the type of chick, a wet car, bro, let's go shopping. I got you today. Let's go shopping. You know what I'm saying? And they'll take me shopping. You know what I'm saying? Like, I never even had a girlfriend do that for me before, mm-hmm. let alone a, 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 a homegirl. You know what I'm saying? She was just that type of spirit, bro. And everybody who ran across it always said the same shit. Like, the girl, she's just a good girl, man. You know what I'm saying? Solid. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, uh, you know, people, are, you know, when they think a girl is stripper, they think, oh, yeah, she this and that and well. Man, that girl, you 
you that shit just bypass your brain when you when you think of Joe Keisha. You don't even think, oh, she a dance, but it just bypass your brain because she's such a sweet girl and such a kind-hearted person and such a good friend. Right. You didn't even see that part of like, which I don't look down on that either, either way. I'm just saying, like, people on the outside looking at it, you know how they just got the stigma on a person who dance and any this type of girl or whatever. Nah, man, she was a solid girl all the way around 100, man. I'm just, it crushed me, man, when that shit happened, especially the way it happened. Like, she ain't supposed to go through that. You know what I'm saying? She was just dealing with a bitch-ass nigga and got involved with a, a bunch of bitch-ass shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the sad thing but, was, is I, I, was, I was living in Atlanta when that happened. And yeah, it happened not that far from where I was staying at. I was like, fuck. Like, because... You know, I got a, I got the phone call and had heard about that, and I was like, "You gotta be kidding me!" And you know, I know her. Shout out, we're we're pretty close because they had started doing some business together, so they had built a relationship. And I know he was really fucked right. up about that too. So, but yeah, man. Right, right. You got it's time. Like every every time I went to Atlanta, bro, it was me. We kicked it, man. We had a good time. So I would go to Benihana's every time I come out there, and. Even when her brother died, like you know, her brother had died prior to that. Like, yeah, not that long down, you know, before. Was it was a couple of months before, I think. Yeah, a couple of months before that, when Marla died, like I was right there with her, step for step. You know what I'm saying? I don't know who set up. Matter of fact, I don't know who set up the help, help us set up the little GoFund account for him to uh, for them to bury him and all that shit. And you know, she was I was right there by her side, bro. And then, and but prior to Marla getting killed, I was already in Atlanta. Like we was at that same plaza where she got killed. That get, like because we used to always go because she used to always the girl used to go and do her makeup there. So we used to always meet whenever we would go out. We always go there, meet there, and the girl would do a makeup. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Then we'll go out. So we was there like probably like four, five months before that. That same fucking parking lot. As a matter of fact, we was on the phone texting. She was there like probably like a couple hours before she got murdered. Like we was on text, and I keep that shit on my phone. You know what I'm saying? Just to remind me. You know what I'm saying? Like right. it's crazy, bro. So I probably was the last person she was texting before all that bullshit happened. Right. Like she was asking me about the party. Was I coming down and all that? It was just crazy, man. It was just an unfortunate situation, man. I just hate, man, because she was so scared of guns, bro. Like, I know she was terrified. You feel me? Like, every time, because, you know, I roll. I always have my guns with me, like, back in the day, right. prior, to when, prior to me going to prison. Like, she's like, no, cash, please. Get them guns out of the car. I used to have to, have to get the guns out of the car for her to ride with me. <laughs> or I had to take my gun <laughs> out me if I was riding with her somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like, she was afraid of guns, bro. And so I just know she was terrified, man, when that shit happened, man. I just, that shit just hurt me so bad, man. Yeah. But, like, I'm going to keep her name alive always. Always keep her name alive. For sure, for sure. Now, now, Cash, I've got to ask you this question because it's one that everyone asks when it comes to you, and I got to get all this out. You're arguably right, one right, of, right. if not not the most gifted talents that Jacksonville has ever produced. Yet many of us who are fans of yours don't understand why you haven't moved further in the industry. Do you feel like right. it was circumstances out of your control? that have you where you are, your desire to want to hold the city up even at the expense of yourself or something else. I ask that because you're too gifted to simply be regarded as a regional phenom. So what is it? Is it is it as simple as I'm just happy, you know, making money off a of show, so on and so forth? Like, because you could be on the BET Awards. Like, there are guys with far less talent than you. Right, you know, right. going a lot further and getting visibility that that should be yours. What what happened? I just say that everything is God's plan, bro. I feel like this is what I'm here for. I feel like it's gonna come that time when I'm gonna have me a run, a good run in the industry. You know what I'm saying? And like like I said, I, I'm ages. First of all, I'm ages. I feel like I'm ages. No matter how old I get, I feel like I'm still gonna be able to stuff and to put the big dogs on any level. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. my music, I, I feel like it's always been timeless. So. It's just life, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't, 
I, I didn't ask for this, but I know I, I know that this is the, this is my path. You know what I'm saying? Like I feel I would have been blew up if it weren't for the prison time, of course. You know what I'm saying? And then after that, you know, then life just started happening, bro. Like I lost Jimmy. Like he was a major. Like he was like I would say in my career, he's like 30 percent of, of what I had going on, bro. He was a major factor. So when I lost that, I lost a lot. You know what I'm saying? I lost a whole lot. Right. And when you think about that part of it, and like as far as like I, all I had to do was record, bro. And Jimmy will handle the rest. So think about that now. Now I got to record. I got to fucking put the song together. I got to have somebody stand on top of me to, to, to put the shit in order and actually stand on top of me, period, is to come to the studio to even record. Right. And on top of that, then, then I had children, you know what I'm saying? I had my twins. Right. And you know what I'm saying? Right. This is my first time actually being a real father. Like I said, you know, I got an older son, but like he's autistic. So I never really got that fatherly feel of, you know what I'm saying? This father son shit or father, you no, know, father and child shit. You know what I'm saying? Because he's autistic. He can't speak. You know what I'm saying? He just, it's just different. You know, I, I mean, right. you don't know how it is, but you don't got to right. but it's just a different, you know what I'm saying? I never got that real fatherly, you know what I'm saying, love and, and a relationship with my child. Now I have that with my twins and I got a boy and a girl. So it's just like the most beautiful thing that's ever happened to me, bro. So I'm like really just happy just being a father. You know what I'm saying? Music is always going to be, even like I said, I'll be doing this shit, Brandon. If I, if it was no money to be made or no fame to have from it, I would still be doing music. I'm going to go and record because I just love this shit. Mm-hmm. It's in me. You feel me? So it's just life, man. My brother died. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, the two most influential people in my life are his music. Then died. Now the third person with Joe Keisha. Right. My number one fan, my number one motivation, and my biggest helper. All three of them gone, bro. Right. I, I hit you, by myself, literally. And you couple that with you the fact me? too that that even some of the some of those of us who kind of lived on the outskirts and provided that support, like I retired, Roger went right. and got a regular job, like so it wasn't even a situation where you could gravitate to some other people who you knew were and be like, okay, I'm gonna go to this person. It was like, nah, Brendan, done, Brendan done got out the game, and he. Maybe it's gonna probably exactly. do a podcast, and you know he'll. And I reached out, and I actually, and, and, and you can ask Roger. I reached out to him. I'm like, bro, see if you can find me a situation like an investor or something, cause bro, I'm just out here. You feel me? Like I ain't really got nobody, bro. Like I kind of lost the. Hung- I ain't gonna say I lost. I, I never, I never lose the hunger for music. I lost the hunger for the music business. Right. You feel me? And like, with, I, I really think that that's what happened to him too. You caught him at a point where it was like. Like, you know, yeah, he's he, like, bro, I got a job. Right. Like, yeah, he's he like, had really, worked, he had worked Benoit. He had, you know, we, we had a uh, Vought Visa. We had Keys Dirty, you know, so, and none of those things really panned out the way we wanted them to. And we all thought that, that Tay was going to be that thing that, that we could take to the next level. And then Marco went on to do videos and stuff like that. And then that, that situation kind of fell apart. So I think that there was a certain level of discouragement that may have happened there. But one thing that I will tell you for yeah. certain is, he values you as an artist the same way I do. We've all thought that you were the right. most gifted artist out of the crew, of you know, short of pain, you know. Pain is genius, but I appreciate that. And I, I, like I said, like I just feel like when shit when shit right, bro, I feel like we can all perform back like Voltron because everybody still everybody still got their skill set and everybody everybody got a niche in what they can do. I, I know you you got your niche in what you do. I know Roger got his niche in what he do. You know what I'm saying? Like even as far as pain, like you know, pain ain't really you know he. I ain't gonna say he, he well he kinda chill, you know, he chilled for me. He had took a he took a break. Mm-hmm. And now he's coming back and but shit like she can get you know, like I said, pain is genius. He can come up with something at any time he wants to, you feel me? Mm-hmm. So if we got that team back together, I know it can work. But what I'm saying is like I I literally had nothing, bro. I have nothing. Right now I have it's just me. Right. So you know, when once I find somebody who 
like who know what it is and believe in me and you know a couple of investors or whoever want to want to make it happen with young cats and i'm ready to rock bro that's just how it is but right now i'm just you know i'm stagnant because i don't have the money i don't have that street money like i used to mm-hmm. you feel me all i got is my talent you know what i'm saying and sometimes talent ain't enough you know what i'm saying when you ain't got that budget right you know what i'm saying so I mean, but I, like I said, it's God's plan. I know, I know. Eventually, I'm gonna get my run. I'm just waiting for it to happen. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I'm patient. You know what I'm saying? I'm just waiting on. I'm waiting on my time. You feel me? Right. I'm always gonna work hard. Everybody know that I'm a hard worker. So when that situation come, bro, I'm back at it. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm on. Like I'm on right now. Like I'm working hard right now. I, I got a mixtape on for the drop. So we are gonna see what the feedback come on that, and then shit, we gonna be off to the races again. Okay. So I ain't tripping. You know, we brought, we formed a new nappy boy. Pain you know, rejuvenated the uh, the label. So it's me, Pain. Uh, Manny G, you know, we got an artist in New Orleans called Six Man, which we got a record popping in New Orleans right now. So this shit finna turn back over, bro. I'm mm-hmm. just waiting. Now, now I'm back. I'm back live. Feel Good me? stuff. Good stuff. Now, there are several artists in the city that are bubbling and find, and starting to break through. So it's not just you anymore. That that's right. a, that's a marquee artist that that's coming through the city. We have Tokyo Jets, who I'm hoping I can get on the podcast probably Monday. I was talking to her to her staff about possibly getting her on the show on Monday. Um, we've got Belize, who I've already had on the show, and Young Trap, who I'm great friends with Grand Prix and Ricky, so I know that that's going to happen in the future. What are your feelings on them, and what's some of the advice that you would give them about getting to the next level out of our city? Because we know how it can be. I mean, you know, I, I mean, me and Trap go way back. You know, me and Trap got a personal relationship. You know, I, I don't know who did his first uh, his first record that popped him off. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That top of the line would pop Trap off. So, like, that was the first record that, uh, that I would say that really just was club. Every club, and they had to play that bitch. You feel me? Point Blank had the, had the, uh, the club scene at the time, so it was really a no-brainer. They pushed that shit for him. And, like, you know, he's like I always said this about Trap. Once he got in the right situation, because, you know, Trap was bouncing around from this 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 camp to this. I didn't know who the fuck he was signed to. Flip Dice Camp. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Dim. Then he was with Troy, uh, you know, Troy Solomon. And then he was with, you know, I didn't know who the fuck he was with. Mm-hmm. Then he wanted to come to Nappy when I actually was putting that, that, that together. You know what I'm saying? But then, you know, I end up going to prison and all that. But well, I knew I always told Trap, once you get in the right situation, boy, you know how to make hit. You know how to make songs. Fuck what these other niggas talking about. Because these niggas want to be so super street and do all this street music and all that. I said, Trap, you know how to make hits, boy. Mm-hmm. So once you once you get once you get in that right situation, my nigga, you're gonna be straight. And you know, and it came to fruition. Like I said, now you with Def Jam now. I think they're doing a, I think they're doing a good job with him. You know what I'm saying? He got the uh the birthday chicken, of course. You know, we heard that. Mm-hmm. A long time, but like I said, he get, he make timeless music. So that now he got the little booties matter. I think all that shit gonna go. You feel me? I think he got the right team behind him with Stevie Stikes. Stevie Stikes a go getter. You know what I'm saying? Like he got the right team around him. So I feel like he gonna be straight. And uh, Tokyo, that's just you know that's fucking that's like raw talent, bro. You just can't you can't find nobody. Not even on the not even on niggas that flow like Baby Do. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. A, a flow and a, 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 a writing talent. You know what I'm saying? As far as the freestyle that she was doing, it's unmatched. Nobody couldn't see it. Nobody wasn't doing nothing like that, bro. It's just sitting in the car just going. Mm-hmm. And I always, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I ain't gonna lie. I slept on her because at first I didn't know she could do all that. At first I just heard a couple of songs on that first. And I slept on her. You know, because, you know, I, I get so much music, bro. It's hard to, to right. separate. But when she started doing that freestyling, she found, like I said, she found a niche. Boom. Somebody came and snatched up. I personally feel like she should have went to a major. You know what I'm saying? I think she would have got, got more notice. And she would have went to a, a major, and I think they would have be more focused on her. But she went where she wanted to go. She did it her way, and that's what I respect. I respect the grind. I respect the mind. I respect the talent. You feel me? Now she on her way. You know what I'm saying? She was a uh, grand hustle, mm-hmm. and, I, and I mean, I just feel like she on her way. Uh, Belize, another hard artist. You know what I'm saying? Like 
he got one out where he just, I think it's the remix with uh, Rallo. Uh, man, Bigger Rank was just talking about that the other day. Another talent to do. I feel like with the right, you know what I'm saying, like the right people behind him or right deal or right right, right label, he going to go. And, uh, of course, you know, T-Ron, he going to forever be able to make hits. You know, T-Ron do a lot of focusing on writing records for other right, people. Right, right, right. That's how, he, that's how he cash out. But, you know, he still got any time. He can come with a hit for himself at any time. You know, that's my brother. We're in the studio to tell, in, the, in the studio together all the time cooking up shit. You feel me? So, yeah, we got the city. I mean, the city's got, we got a lot of notable people on, like, on their way. You feel me? Right. And I'm just I'm, I'm just happy to be in, in, that, in that number. But it seems like I'm the one I always get the motherfucking hate. Well, nigga, bitch, start talking about Jackson Dillon. <laughs> Why, why, why Cash won't put so-and-so on it? Why? I like, God damn it. I ain't put out a motherfucking mixtape in four years. Motherfucker steady is going to hate on, on, on Cash, man. Tokyo Jets. See, they father to me now. Tokyo Jets, uh, Young Trap. They in the game. They got major deals. Well, not, well I, don't, I don't know what Tokyo Deal set up, but I know she would have... She was a major nigga. You know she what I'm right, saying? I know she's rocking with T.I. I don't know what that deal looks yeah, like. Yeah, man. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's major. Right. It's major though. You feel me? Like they want to hate on me. Why me? <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I just I just attract the hate. But one thing I say, well, I get more love than that, more love than hate. So it just roll off my shoulder, bro. You know what I'm saying? I want to before, before I let you go. I want to throw a couple names at you. You you tell me. Uh, not necessarily the first word, but just kind of the first things that come to mind. Okay. All right, bet. All right, bigger ranking. Pops. Okay. That's pop, man. It's, Big Ring was the first person I ever saw, I ever spit a rap to. 16 years old, Florida Avenue. He was in the barber chair. No, he wasn't in the barber chair. I take that back. Frank Coleon was in the barber chair on Florida Avenue getting a haircut at some building. And Big Ring, this one, uh, this one, Big Ring is gonna have Pure Platinum Records. They was trying to start a record label. Mm-hmm. And this my brother, my brother got with him, and they was doing a, uh, they was gonna do choices. And we, this one was bringing Big Ring back to the city because you remember he had got kicked out of the city. Yeah. So he brought me to Bigger Rankings, and uh, I rapped for Bigger Rankings. And he said, "Come with me." He said, "He said, come back that same rap you just did to my my homeboy." It was Frank Coleon. Mm-hmm. That's why niggas don't know niggas don't know how me, me and Frank Coleon relationship. We go way back, bro. You feel like I would ask him. Bigger Rankings and Frank Coleon were the first two niggas I rapped. I ever spit a verse to. I was sixteen years old. And you know what I'm saying? So ever since then, ever since then, Bigger Rankings took me up on his wing, man. He been like a father figure slash. You know what I'm saying? DJ, music breaker. He broke dope boys for me with me and Lil Webby. You know what I'm saying? But I didn't even think that record was going to be a type of a, a club record or radio. You know what I'm saying? I thought that was going to be an album cut. Mm-hmm. He took that motherfucker and made that bitch a monster. Mm-hmm. So I, he been, he been up on my, you know what I'm I've been up on his wing ever since, bro. And like, we t- like to this day, me and Bigger Rangers probably talk once a week. And we'll probably talk for three, four hours, bro, on the phone. Like, just about life, music, everything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so he's been looking out for me ever since, bro. I'm gonna need a mediator with with, with bigger because I want to get bigger on the show because I don't know how many of the other episodes. You and I gotta to. tell before I before I get after you do this what you doing now I gotta tell that story about you. <laughs> we can, we can, I'm gonna let you finish these names. Go ahead. But I, I had to elaborate. I had to elaborate, I had to elaborate on bigger records because no, you, you can go. Ahead, matter of fact, you can go ahead and tell it. But before you do, I I just want to say that bigger. I think bigger things. I don't like him. Um, I don't know how much he listens to the podcast, but I I do definitely have respect for him. I sit on one side because I'm because of my relationship with Shout Out. You go down, you go down in history, bro, as the first person <laughs> ever in life where I ever seen Bigger Reagan lose his motherfucking cool and really try to attack and really try to attack another man. <laughs> Bro, I was right there, bro. Right there in cartoons. I was right there, bro. I was sitting down, big. 
Big, uh, Biggie said, this motherfucker lying saying I said this, but you stood your ground like motherfucker in the Florida law, boy. You stood your ground. You said, well, you said, nigga, yes, you did say that. Billy <laughs> reached for you, boy. Billy reached for you and tried to grab you, boy, and tried to punch you. I had to grab him, though. I grabbed him. That was the craziest shit I ever seen in my I ain't never seen Billy lose a school, bro. I swear for God. Billy thinks Billy thinks that I don't like him, and it, it really has nothing to do with that. And it, it was a whole big misunderstanding. We have talked since then, and we have resolved it. And I, I've said on the podcast multiple times that I view Biggie, as, I'm not Biggie, but bigger as one of those people that, like, you know, when I was 12, 13 years old, I wanted to be like him. My sister used to date Lil Bodie, Big Bodie's, Big Bodie's little little yeah, brother. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah, my yeah. sister was was in the circles back in the day. You know what I'm saying? Like right, when right, I met when right. I met Doom, he was introduced to me as Tracy. Like you know what I'm saying? So, like, right, right. I mean, like, and I met Bigger in, the, in those same circles. Like Matara, my nephew's father knows Bi- knows Billy from Jamaica. Like you know what I'm saying? So, right, right. I have the utmost respect for him. I do. I have my own. Do I sit on one side because I'm friends with Shout Out? Absolutely, I do. But that doesn't that doesn't mean that he doesn't mean anything to me. That doesn't mean that I don't view him as a mentor. That doesn't mean that I don't have respect for him. We had a misunderstanding. It, it's it's yeah. as simple as but that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, and, and, and Billy ain't no. He ain't no. He ain't no dude that's gonna hold no grudge. You know what I'm saying? Unless you constantly hating on them, which I know that's nowhere near your DNA. You a grown man. I know you're, you 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 able to come to the table and resolve any situation with anybody. I know that. So it ain't no, it no situation where he won't, you know what I'm saying, do your show or nothing like that. Well, but if like you I see him, tell him I'm, looking, I'm looking to get him on the show. <laughs> oh, I got you. That's, that's, no, that's no problem. He'll do that. He'll do that. No question. Like You know what I'm saying? But like I say, he, 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 you got to mention him. When you mention Young Cash in my career, you got to mention Bigger Rankers because like, he was like one of the most influential people in my life. Life-wise and music-wise, you know what I'm saying? Like, we done been through some shit life-wise, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? That, like, on, on, shit me and him know about that. You know what I'm saying? He, he looked out for me, and I done looked out for him on shit. Like, it's just, you know, he just been there for me. He's been my mentor, father figure, whatever you want to call it. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I got so much respect for him. Like I said, we still talk at least once a week, every you know, every week. So, but like I said, ain't nothing that can't be done, you know what I'm saying? But I got to mention him. It was I had to elaborate a little bit more when you say that, Dave. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Windy Day. Since we just did the episode with her, like I told you, that's my baby, man. Like I said, when I heard that podcast, like I said, I'm a listener to your podcast. So I'm listening to that one, listening to it. Like I said, I never know what I never knew that went down between him. I didn't know, I didn't know what the situation was going on back then. You know what I'm saying? I just knew she, he flew her down, and she was dead, and me and her just was talking, and she just took to me, and I took to her. Mm-hmm. And over the years, I was always see at conferences and shit. We would go chill, go out to eat, and. She would always give me advice and, and, and it just, you know, it was just around. I, I could pick up my phone call her anytime. She always answered, never on that industry bullshit. You know how these motherfuckers is. Mm-hmm. They give you the number and, and, and lock you in as do not answer. Right. She never, you know what I'm saying? She never, you know, she never tried to, you know what I'm saying, shy away from me. She always answered my call. Like I said, when I went to prison, she wrote me, you know what I'm saying? And then one like no newsletter, like how she say she do now, like well, because she got so many people. This is some personal, like she wrote me personally, you know what I'm saying? So I really appreciated that from her. Like like I said, she could have cut me off about about that situation with my brother, because I, like I said, I was up on the, the label there. It was MOE. Right. You know what I'm saying? But she, but she kept a relationship solid with me because she knew I was a different person. You know, and I was a different entity, and, and I just respect her for that. And I love her to death. Okay. Not yeah. again among, amongst all the other big attributes she got as far as the industry. You already know, you know, the, the accolades she got as far as yeah. the stuff she done done. But yeah, amazing human being. Gotta ask you, right. Malik Abdul. Malik Abdul is a motherfucking go fucking get her. 
You can't meet. I, I ain't never met a dude who would run them straight. Like he, you remember when he was with Ozone Magazine? Mm-hmm. Usually Beverly. Yep. You know he he uh, this nigga was fucking in that motherfucking suburban or whatever that motherfucking truck he was in. That bitch was everywhere. <laughs> From Orlando, based out of Orlando to Atlanta to to Jacksonville to Orlando, Orlando, Miami to uh to Alabama, all the all the uh, southeast uh, states, uh Mississippi. Texas, Louisiana, mm-hmm. South Carolina, North Carolina. Then they even started the West Coast. He started going to the West Coast, Oakland. You know what I'm saying? All that shit I done. The nigga was a fucking horse, a workhorse. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he probably wasn't getting paid with his work, but he was in it for the hustle. He built so many relationships. You know what I'm saying? He stepped in. Like I said, when Jimmy died, he moved to Jacksonville. And he was managing Jay Dash. And he stepped in and started managing me. Mm-hmm. So, but that, that, he's a workhorse, man. I got. Enough respect for him as as far as the music industry, you know what I'm saying? He's a workhorse. He, he gonna he gonna get it done and he gonna be adamant and I ain't never seen him not put his hands in something and not go all out. So I gotta say about Malik. Ivory Orr. Ivory Orr is a fucking nerd for real. Let <laughs> me tell you why I call him a fucking nerd. Y'all don't niggas don't know about Ivory, but Ivory is probably one of the most lyricalist artists. I've ever ran across, and I'm not just talking about a Jacksonville bitch. That ever. motherfucking nigga with the nigga come to the studio, the fucking glasses on. I this nigga, this nerdy ass nigga. That nigga beat it, come on. That nigga <laughs> sit in the chair, bend, bend his head down, my nigga, and, and have his hands up to his head. And that nigga gonna write a whole motherfucking verse in his head in like fucking 15 minutes and go right in the studio and drop that bitch. And all that shit be fire. I'm talking about <laughs> metaphors. Like, how you, how you even come up with these metaphors that fast? Right. You feel me? Right. And then she all fly to the song doing like it's some shit he already wrote, wrote down before and all like that. I was bullshit when I say nerd. I just say that because you wear them big thick ass glasses. But <laughs> the nigga Ivory is a real true. He's a real true boss, and I respect him. He put his he put his company together. I seen it come from fucking nothing. I seen when it was just him and all his rap niggas used to be around him. Ty Sticks, Gold, uh, Clinton Wayne, all the niggas they had their little rap group, and they were just coming out of studio. We let them niggas record for free. Mm-hmm. And they were just coming out of the studio and just doing that thing. And I was like, yeah, bro, I'm about to graduate. I'm about to get my degree in this and this here. And I'm, you know what I'm saying? And he did that shit, bro. Nigga got it, got his degree, put that business plan together, with, uh, got the clubs popping. And as you can see, Point Blank is a motherfucking, it's, it's, it's legendary now in Jacksonville. You can't go nowhere without it being a Point Blank event or Crown Capital Group. As they, you know, they expanded to a more uh, upscale. They got the Crown, Crown Capital and they still got the Point Blank shit. So. Like I tip my hat out to him, good friend of mine, you know what I'm saying? A real good friend, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like never no bullshit with me and him. Like we just good friends, you know what I'm saying? He's somebody I can pick up the phone and call and talk to too as well. Right. And for for the listeners out there, if you if you want to know more about Ivory Orr, feel free to go back into the archives and listen to the What's Beef episode of Established 1984 podcast. Because he and I had to had to have our little heart to heart on the podcast too. It was it was a very interesting episode. You find out very quickly that Ivory don't even realize when he's at odds with somebody. <laughs> yeah, Ivory, yeah, he's just so cool and laid back. Yeah, you know, you might not even, but he's that type of dude, though. But he's a good dude, though, all oh, around. Yeah, 100%. It, I, it, it felt good for me to get an opportunity to just sit down and talk with him and kind of get his point of view on everything because I think a lot of people thought that me and him had this huge beef over the years. And I'm not going to lie, there were part, parts of me that thought that there was a beef there, too, because of how I moved around. Because, you know, that was the thing. I think that that was always kind of the issue that a lot of people had with me that, like, you know, you know how Jacksonville can be. People have expectations of your your level of loyalty, and I always approach this shit like a business. So I was like, okay, right, right, right. I'll fuck with you on this on this business shit, but I'm still gonna go do this new blood shit, 
And if that bumps head with right. what you got going on, that's your problem to work out. You know what I'm saying? I'm still right, going right, to work. Right, right. If you pay me to do something, I'm going to do it. But I'm going to be over here doing this club shit. And if somebody gives me a Friday and you got a Friday, guess we both doing Fridays. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I mean, everybody got to eat. Right. And that's, that's just how it, always how I approached it. So um, we obviously talked about we talked about Vic, uh, but uh, Tay Dizzle because I, I see you had kind of you brought him up a couple of times and you know mentioned that you know you weren't sure as far as the hustle and stuff like that and the grind in the same way that you had it. What are your feelings on Tay Dizzle? I mean, I mean, I mean, I don't know how to. I mean, far as personally or music wise, I mean, whatever comes to your mind, how, whatever you want to say. I mean, first of all, we was all a team. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think them boys made a mistake. Now, I'm not taking nothing away from Tay Dizzy. I'm not saying he's not talented. I'm not saying he's not talented. I feel like he got a talent. I just feel like he was more, he was better at what he was doing as a hype man for T-Pain. Right. Like, them boys, they can't, they, now, don't get this fucked up because a lot of people get this misconstrued. They think that Pain just, you know what I'm saying, throw them out there as artists and all that. They wanted this. They wanted to stop getting paid. From what my understanding, they wanted to stop doing the uh, hype man shit and just become their own artist. I guess they had made enough money, whatever, where they feel like they own their own. They wanted to become their own artist. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So Payne was like, whatever, cool. You feel me? So Payne ended up getting like, uh, like you know, dan- regular dancers, you know what I'm saying, to, to be his hype man or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they stopped that. You know what I'm saying? Payne never stopped that. They stopped that. And then, like, you know, like I said, Ted Dizzle had like, he had a number one and number two artists in the game come out with him but as far as a the, uh, when he had the uh, Chevy song, and, he had beat me up before that. We're, they had Rick Ross and all them on it. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Beat me up. The Chevy sitting high. That's what I meant. Yeah. The beat me up song. He had that with Payne and uh, but Ross when they was at they, when they was high. They was up. Mm. And then nigga, you was like one, number three on the countdown. And then right after that, nigga, you had a song with a number one international artist in the game with Akon, Dream Girl. Mm-hmm. So my thing is this: I just figured like. Maybe this is not for him. You, if you got them two big looks like that, then you on 106 and Park. You're number three on the countdown. I just feel like that, it might have not been for him. Now, I could be wrong, but I'm just going by what, how, how the people took to him. I guess they didn't take to him, you know what I'm saying? Because he never really got no shows like that, you know what I'm saying, on his own as far as after that, all that shit popped. Like, I thought that. I thought he was booming. It was going to be like 10, 15,000 shows everywhere across the country. That shit was on, on, on 106. Mm-hmm. But, you know what I'm saying, it never really happened like that. So, you know, I just felt... I'm, like I said, I'm not knocking his talent. I just felt he was a better hype man because, like what I said, he always put on a show as far as playing hype man. Like I enjoy watching playing show with with them, but you know, what I'm saying more so him than uh, Jay Lyric. But I just felt like he really did his thing as a hype man. But like he just came with uh, you know, he came was talking crazy. Like he was trying to reach VH1 to tell that he, he posted made a post, and he's like, I'm trying, I need to reach out to VH1 so I can tell the real Nappy Boy story or some shit like that. I'm like, what's the fake? Now? You know what I'm saying? Me and Payne was like. Well, what's the fake Nappy Boy story? You know what I'm saying? Like, like we didn't know if he was trying to come at us or come, you know, what the what the deal was. Mm-hmm. So after that, I mean, pretty much, I pretty much shot away from him after that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know, what I'm saying best of luck to him, whatever he's doing. I ain't like I never trip if he called me and he needed me, I might help him. But like that, that kind of throw me. But we talked about it. He said he didn't mean it like that. He meant something else. But you know, to me, like when you put somebody like that, like that, saying like, oh yeah, I'm gonna tell the, the real Nappy Boy story. I need to get in contact with VH1. What you, what are you trying to say for real? You know what I'm saying? What, so we basically the, the more, whatever story that people think has the fake or whatever we say is fake or something. That's how I took it. But I could have been wrong. But like I said, like we kind of just all went separate ways. You know what I'm saying? As far as with Tay Dizzle right. and Jay Lyric too. Right. For the last last so, one, just, last one before I let you go. T Pain. Fucking genius, bro. Like 
I never seen I never seen a person just do records, man, and do songs and how he come up with them and he the one who got me on the no pen, no pad shit. Like when he first signed me, like the first day I was in the studio, I was in there writing to this record that he wanted me to do with him. And he was like, well, he's like, he's like, what is you doing, dog? I'm like, nigga, I'm right, fuck, I'm finna write this fucking verse. He's like, bro, we, we not we don't write over here. And then was like he was because he, he it was no really no other artist, but because he was writing for everybody at that time before I got there. I said, so let me try this shit. And then ever since then, since oh, like the end of the way, bitch, I ain't, I ain't picked up a pen since. Every song I've ever did, and I've got multiple. I got, I got a catalog deeper than you can imagine. There's songs you've never heard, hundreds and hundreds of songs. And then on top of the the songs that the, the mixtapes that you heard, mm-hmm. like you know, I've never picked up a pen or pad or none of that shit since oh, the end of the way. So, like the niggas are fucking musical genius, bro. And it's like, and, it, and he's one of them niggas like, you know, one of them niggas that can just do anything that they when they see it, they can do it. Right. Like he might he, he might not know nothing about fucking fixing airplanes, but if he go out there and he watch somebody do it, he can do it right away. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he's just a genius like that, bro. And he's he's a he my brother. You know what I'm saying? We brothers, bro. Like he stuck his neck on the line. He he, he paid for that lawyer for me when I got fucked up <clears throat> in that case. Like that's my brother for life, bro. And I die by him. You feel me? Right. Well, there you have it. I mean, finally after. Like, I mean, this, I think this is probably years overdue, but as far as getting it on a podcast yeah, is uh is several months yeah, they overdue. Know, they don't know how far we go back, man. They don't know it, bro. <laughs> you gotta let them know. The niggas probably don't even know you was even in the music industry, bro. <laughs> a lot of yeah, I, I, I tell a lot of people a lot of times I'm like, yeah, I was I was in the music industry and all this kind of stuff, and they go, you know, a lot of people go, yeah, okay, but I, I mean, like it, it speaks for itself. I mean, there's a lot of things that I invested in. That a lot of people don't know about and, and all that kind of stuff. Right. But, you know, you don't, you ain't, I'm not trying to prove nothing to nobody. I feel like, hey, you know, what I did is what I did and I'm proud of what I did. Uh, I think that this is probably the best lane for me. Um, and I'm excited about what this podcast thing will bring. But one thing I want to say, Cash, is I, I want to thank you for taking this time out for to do this podcast. And I want you to know that as far as from a musical perspective, I'm not really in the music industry anymore, but boy, if you ever if you ever get something else uh, popping like 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 what you had with the vacation, you already know you got my full support. I, I, you already I, know that phone gonna ring. And you, you know your phone gonna ring. Soon as we, soon as we own, nigga, I'm calling. You already know what it is. You know, there, there, there are not many people I'm, I'm looking to get behind. I, I have been very. I've been very candid about it. And you can go back and you can check all the podcasts to prove that I've said the same thing. Boy, if you need my help and you're doing some shit, I'm there. It's you, Ivory, and Belize are probably the ones who can probably get me up out of the chair. Already. <laughs> so, I know your muscles, you're going to flex that muscle when we get on, but I ain't I've said it's only a couple people I can call, bro, who I trust in and who I believe in and who I know fuck me for real. You want on, bro. And I appreciate you. All right, man. Well, for for those of you trying to get in contact with me, man, you can hit me up, EST1984Podcast on Instagram. You can also do the same thing for the email, EST1984Podcast at gmail.com. You can also hit up my personal Instagram at Brandon Kobe Jacobs, man. This is Brandon Kobe Jacobs, and you've been listening to the Establish1984 Podcast. Take care.